Duke Kings at this point, they're really just enjoying immortality by keeping themselves busy because their bodies don't work anymore and there's only so many th uh, things to do, so they just kind of get out and pretty much enjoy the world. Uh, to be clear, there is one thing they cannot do, uh, which is the thing you are all thinking of right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, part, part of having to do these videos is you have to do some really weird research. And um, <laughs> I made a joke one time, which is, you know, basically Cetra came back because he had the biggest, you know, Long. dick of everybody around. <laughs> and so he had to slap everybody around with it and put them back in their tombs. And I was like, well, hold on. He's mummified, right? And Okay, yeah, no, they actually chop all that off and put it in a jar. So, okay. Well, that joke doesn't really work, does it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cetra's imperishable penis in a yeah. jar. Like, no! No! Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the Beginner to Expert podcast here on Law Crimes. Now today we are discussing a particularly interesting subject with the Tomb Kings and we have a very special guest to introduce to you all. You may know him from his Total War noobs guides and all of history and gaming content that he does, the one and only Cody Bond. I was all in the serious light. Hi there! Yeah, I'm actually I'm so excited for this because I'm a I'm a fan. I've been watching it for ages. Thanks for coming on board, man. Oh, pleasure, man. I'm, I'm so excited to be here, and um, I'm sorry you've been watching it for ages. It just makes me sound old. So. <laughs> 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 uh, I think I'm not the oldest on the podcast for once, so it's it's a fresh surprise for me. <laughs> not with me on here. I can tell you that one. Oh. <laughs> Put down your uh, your walking stick, Andy. Oh. <laughs> that's oh, okay. That's too mean. Yeah, it's a bit. Oh, and on and on that note, Hal, I suppose before we get started, we should uh, go through the question of the week. So, Hal, I believe you've got some choice picks this week. I do. I have some uh, beautiful leftovers from some of our previous questions of the week. Um, thank you all for submitting them, and I just want to let you guys just. We'll, we'll start light, and we'll see how it escalates. But this was from the, uh, I believe the. Uh, Ultramarines episode, so this one was just uh, a nice little opener. So the question was about your theoretical and practical. The theoretical was the Emperor protects, and the practical was Sigmar actually does, which I can Ooh. probably, yeah, Ooh. yeah, we can say this is a more fancy one. So it's a nice fancy question. heresy. It's a good, uh, nice little Ultramarine pivot into fancy there. Not too bad. There's a pretty clear winner in the God Emperor competition. And it's not Ooh. the guy in the chair. Uh, yeah, he needs a... Well, speaking of that, um, speaking of the guy in the chair... <laughs> um, so, this was from our Primarch episode. This was hashtag, how do you resurrect the Emperor from the Golden Throne? Wrong answers only. I'm actually going to lose it. I think he was saying that. <laughs> it was hashtag save Emp. Okay, bring the thickest collection. Oh my god, I'm gonna lose it. Come on, Hal, you can do it. I believe it starts. <laughs> Bring the thickest Calyptus uh, assassin to the Imperium on to it. Sorry, I'll start from the beginning because it's just this is just ridiculous. Bring the thickest Calyptus assassin of the Imperium to the Golden Throne and let them grind his lap. 
the Emperor is going to release a 10,000 year old nut which will shatter the very fabric of space. Oh, oh no. my god. <laughs> I don't know why I chose this one. That eruption will close the signature. By the way, thanks again, Cody. There's for... more, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Which also still going. <laughs> which also really weaken the Chaos Gods, which his soul fights constantly. With this newfound respite, his soul can focus over time to reform his body to full strength. Finally, the Emperor is reborn through himself. Thank you, Luca Saint, for the 10,000-year-old nut which will shatter the very fabric of the galaxy. <laughs> Hashtag post-nut clarity. That's a bit extreme. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> First guess we've had for beginner to expert. And yeah, thanks very much for being with us, Cody. Sorry to lower the tone. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my... Yeah, uh, this is the... This is the tone. Um... The last one was from our Primarchs 2 one, which was hashtag law lies. So what was the best kept secret in 40k? And the best, so this commenter says, the best kept secret in 40k is that the vaults on terror don't actually hold technology or monsters. As the rumor says, it actually holds all the rule 34 humanity has made during the dark age of technology. That's what's kept down there. It is so bad and needlessly horny, and it makes even she who thirsts shudder. God damn it! So that's so it's just the Disney porn vault down there. Uh, yes, wow. that was um, that was the uh, the comments. <laughs> I don't know how that. Yeah. Welcome, Cody. Um, Gosh. I, I started asking more uh, interesting questions at the end of my videos. Is what I discovered. <laughs> <laughs> Top quality content you guys are getting. You can you can always learn something here. It might not be anything you ever wanted to learn, but <laughs> apparently even a lap dance uh, is good enough to get a ten thousand year old mummy emperor to get hard again. I mean that's definitely Aren't something me. you can learn. Uh, if only we could unlearn it. Um, but speaking of new things we can learn today, and we'll be doing and mummies. Uh, hashtag mummy in the chat um, for people listening. I don't know why I said that. I have a family. Neither do I. I think I want my mummy. Ooh. Oh my god. Okay, it was a good one. I'm going to get off track here. <laughs> so, we'll be tackling the Tomb Kings. So, I'm going to uh, hand over to Cody to helm our beginner section. Cody, let's enlighten these uh, glorious listeners. Take it away. Right. So, the Tomb Kings, this is for the noobs of you out there are based on everything Egyptian. Like, if you have seen ancient Egyptian sarcophagi, you know, in the height of the pyramids, that's these guys. Uh, Warhammer Fantasy, in its original version, was Warhammer historical. Like, you know, back in the day, all these guys are huge history nerds. Um, two of the guys that actually sculpt all the models, one of them lost his hand firing a replica cannon from the 1600s. That's how big and these guys Yo. and really? so he actually trained himself to sculpt with his left hand and continues to work there to this day Damn. Um, so they're big into history to say the least so tomb kings are egyptians like just think about it that way um specifically kind of the era of ramses the great so in this version of the kind of world they're working with it's a uh, nehekara uh, i can't get the guttural right but my understanding is that's how it should be pronounced is uh the KH has a fun little to it. You have to be attacked whilst you're saying the words, like, <laughs> <the pronunciation>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
sneak up on someone. Yeah, so the land of Nehekara was in roughly, you know, where Egypt is on the Warhammer map. If you actually look at it and kind of squint, you can tell it's just Earth. Uh, but desert land full of chaos and horribleness, and then the Egyptian gods led by, uh, led by Patra uh, show up, and they cleanse the land. And of course, then people move in, and they begin to worship these Nehekaran deities, and they found a civilization that will eventually become Imri, or Kinri, and all that kind of fun stuff. And so you kind of have a whole civilization built around their version of the Nile and all that. So everything's bouncing along, and then you have their big name that everyone talks about whenever you talk about the Tomb Kings, who is Setra, Imperishable, Ruler, Ruler of, and then you could just keep going for the rest of the podcast if someone wants to read those in the background. Like a nice soothing lullaby. No, I saw that. That's in your uh, your Tomb Kings video, isn't it? Like you read. It is. It yeah, I just kept running in the background with it. It only lasts about five minutes. I was a little disappointed actually. Uh, but my understanding is that's the abbreviated version. But his titles are, you know, they just go forever. So, uh, by the way, at some point, Hal, I need you to tell me, ask me about why a Skaven has a weird dagger, and Colin, I need you to. Ask me if Arcan is still alive, because I'm going to forget, and I need you gentlemen to, at some point to jump in with those. Would you be okay with that? Skaven dagger. Skaven dagger. Why Skaven have a dagger, and Colin, if Arcan is still alive? And, uh, all right, we'll keep going. All right, so Cetra the Imperishable, first of his name, yada, 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 etc., right? So, because everything in Warhammer, whenever a new race gets introduced, they're always the biggest and best. When Tomb Kings got introduced, Cetra was the new biggest and best, and his whole thing was... Basically, he took over the entire known world. Like, he sent ships all the way to Lustria, you know, fought against the king, uh, the, you know, before it was the Empire of Man. He fought against them and beat them. You know, everything all the way to the edges of Cathay, which apparently they didn't go to because Cathay didn't exist yet, they fought. You know, and he won because he's Cetra, the imperishable, greatest of his name. You know, absolutely loved what he was doing, jerk while he was doing it. Like, and to get the favor of the gods, he sacrificed his own children to get their favor. You know, that kind of guy. That's quite spicy. I'm not going to lie. Oh, well, hey, man, it's the hot take. You know, if you want power, you got to sacrifice your own children. It worked in Greek sagas, and apparently it works in uh, ancient Egyptian ritual research as well. You can't argue with results. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, we don't condone that on law crimes. Do not sacrifice your firstborn. Um... We oh, won't get more subs. He did all of them. Oh, wholesale, which leads to a problem later on that we're going to get to. Basically, uh, because he sacrificed all his children, it's just Cetra now, and Cetra then realizes he, you know, he has this problem of getting old. That all of us run into eventually, and even though he's sacri- across most of the world, you know, he gets all the way to the world's edge mountains, the Black Mountains, and he cries because he looked out and he still realized there were more. Worlds yet to conquer. Anybody recognize that one? Alexander. Yeah. Alexander. It's interestingly not from Alexander. It's from Die Hard. Uh, Hans Gruber's <laughs> <from> Die Hard <laughs> and attributes it to Alexander, um, which good on you. But the original quote was actually Alexander wept when he learned about the multiverse and realized that he was not even a lord <laughs> of his own world where others had done more than him. It's a misattribution, and then Die Hard ran with it. And so now everybody repeats it as the Alexander wept. But I know. Anywho, Warhammer did the same thing. It's just kind of funny. Uh, So, yeah, he's like, all right, man, I need the secret of immortality. Like, I want to keep conquering. So he found something called the Cult of the Dead. 
And this is where you start getting into like your Egyptian mortuary cults. And if you've ever seen, you know, the mummification, things like that, that's where this comes from. And so same thing, he founds this cult and they're going to find a way to give him eternal life. And even though, you know, they do all sorts of experimentations and stuff like that, surprise, he still dies. I mean, he lives longer than everybody else does. You know, one, because he's a pharaoh and he can do that. Uh, but two, you know, they figure it out. But they're like, all right, cool. Here's what's going to happen, man. You're going to die. We can't bring you back right now. So we're going to mummify you perfectly. And then when we do figure out how to bring you back, uh, we'll do it. We promise. Cross our hearts. Hope to die. So they build the biggest pyramid the tomb kings have ever seen. And they put him inside of it. And now he's a king of a tomb. Hence the name two kings, tomb kings, right? Funny thing, though, when you give a cult ultimate power and then you're not around to tell them what to do, you start abusing that shit really quick. Uh, And so everything goes pear-shaped, to say the least. And so everybody now wants the secret of eternal life, and these guys start guarding it, and they, you know, I think it's a thousand years later? I mean, they're at it for quite some time. Basically, the entire civilization turns to building these tombs to preserve themselves as good as possible so that they can eventually be resurrected. And eventually, the tombs and the pyramids outnumber the cities that, like, around them. They're just, you know, a couple hundred people and a couple thousand tombs. It gets, it gets a lot of hand. The, to- the, uh, the priests, the tomb priests, that's not their name. What are they called? The they Betty priests? White. It must be Betty White because she holds the secret to eternal life. What? He passed away like a year ago, though. Did she die? Yeah. No. Yeah, she oh, away. No. Oh my god. Yeah. I made a law. That's a, that's a war crime. That's a real. Crime. That's just, that's Ow, that's just like, jeez, like, make everybody sad in the middle of a podcast. That's that, messed up. Oh, oh, yeah, she died in 2021. Nice one, Hal. Damn. She doesn't have the secret then. She lied. Apparently yeah, 31st not. as well. Jeez. So these guys ran into the same problem, right? So they figured out the secret to eternal life, but not to eternal youth, because those are two different things, and Warhammer is an infinite monkey paw. So they turned into these giant walking withered husks things. Basically, they figured out that you could bind a soul to a something, so they bound their souls back to their own body, but the body of obviously would deteriorate and, you know, start to fall apart. So everybody, of course, wants the power anyway, but then a new guy comes along. The name that... Will echo through the ages, and everyone hopes to eventually see him as a DLC for the Total War games. Nagash, the great necromancer, supreme douchebag of all of Warhammer. Such um, is the power of Nagash. That quote <laughs> is elite. We we're a big fan of that one since uh, Colin told us about it. The, the, I I don't know, man. Like there are occasionally characters you come across, and they're just such like Saturday morning cartoon villains. Like he's he's kind of like the Skeletor of this universe. He's like, I will kill. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why he's great. It's, it, it's, he's just so and they awful. Had to give him, that, and they just, had to give him a sufficiently yeah. big hat just to make sure that you're like, yeah, we know he's a bit silly. Look at his hat. He's a bit over the top. Here's an extra sized hat just so you know exactly how important he is. <laughs> so he's just kind of like uh, a pope, he pope hat, like, isn't it? It's like a little pope, he's like a little pope hat, isn't it? Is that like a too much of a terrible comparison? Like Catholic Church okay. and... Uh, I mean, uh, hat. Hat too. <laughs> he was he was a lich priest so yeah he was yeah. Oh. that's his whole thing so he is the first son of this like dynastic family so he gets donated to the lich priest while his younger brother takes over the throne and he's like nope i want both and so he kills his brother and then takes over the throne and becomes king of camry and wants to rule like cetera and be better than cetera in every respect right um but he also has the secrets of the lich priests and so 
unlike the Lish priest, who basically just sort of did like reverse necromancy in a way, um, Nagash figures out actually how to create an elixir of life, like one that will keep you young and powerful forever. And like every great villain, he does not tell anyone what it is. Like he's like, nope, taking that to my grave. But he recruits some special lieutenants and things like that around him. And one of which is Arcan the Black, which many of you guys may know. Uh, and so he feeds them this special elixir that basically gives them superpowers for a limited amount of time. So basically they had to keep serving him if they, one, want to stay alive, and two, want to keep being awesome. And then he proceeds to just goose step across all of the Tomb King's world, right? You know, all of the deserts then fall under his sway. Um, but obviously this can only go for so long before people start getting pissy about that sort of thing. So the rest of the Tomb Kings band together, and they're like, okay let's do this and they have a what they call like a war of the dead right and this is where it starts getting really dark uh so everything in warhammer you can tell whenever you're about to hit a novel because suddenly it goes from really sketchy details to like granular level of lore and this is one of those sections like nagash is very well-tread territory um there are books after books written about his nonsense and uh yeah so he starts doing serious necromancy and like bringing people back and, you know, really doing the best he can. And they beat him anyway. They just beat the, beat the brakes off of him. And in his last little gasp attempt of being an absolute dick bag, he's like, cool. Well, if I can't have it, nobody can. And he breaks his toys in this case, killing everyone in the entire area and then trying to resurrect the entire world to create an infinite army from every dead person ever. Uh, which winds up with where you have mummy tomb kings because everybody is dead there and then he sort of brings them back to perform a crazy skeleton army. And yeah, that's where you get tomb kings and stuff. So Cetra reemerges around this time. Everybody, I'm sorry, I'm losing the track a little bit here. Sorry. It's <laughs> all good, man. All good. Okay. <laughs> Wait, no, not, just... nothing uh, that we haven't done before several yeah. times on the podcast. It's just where I shout, Skaven Dagger. So much of this shit. Oh my God, there is so much of this. Right. So yeah, he starts trying to resurrect the Squirrel of the Dead. This is where you bring up the Skaven Dagger. Go ahead. Oh, what do I do with the Skaven Dagger? <laughs> oh, you know. oh, do you not know this? No, I'm I'm kind of familiar with like um, okay. It's the one with Alcadizar, right? Yeah, this is yeah. Alcadizar, right? Or Alcadizar, yeah. however you want to pronounce it, right? So he's like Nagash is resurrecting the whole world. He's doing this great crazy ritual, and kid you not, Deus ex Skaven, like a rat man just like appears in the story from nowhere, gives this random dude a dagger and says, "Go shank that guy." And then, like, scurries away again. And so Nagash gets stabbed in the back by a random warpstone Skaven dagger, and his story is over. He disappears, like, it's very Voldemort in a way, if you've read Harry Potter. Like, his clearly his mm. soul's been broken into a number of pieces. So he, it goes back to this giant black pyramid that he had built. And, like, incubates inside that pyramid until it'll eventually reemerge again to wreak havoc on the world. Right? That kind of thing. Um, but unfortunately, the damage is already done, at least locally. All the local skeletons and dead have been re revived again. And so that's where Cetra comes back into the story. You know, this guy who's been dead for a thousand years reemerges from his tomb, and he's very much like, what the bleep, guys? Like, I left this on a high note, and I come back out, and now what? Bit dusty uh, everywhere. Oh, so yeah. I forgot to... Mop up a bit. Mop or dust? No, what am I doing? Brush. <laughs> mop up the dust. Oh, God. I'd hope you don't bring a mop to an archaeological site. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
more I effective mean... than you think it'd be. Master's <laughs> <laughs> degree in archaeology. Yeah, so occasionally oh. you, know, you got to get stuff up, so you kind of got to brush large amounts of areas. I mean, a broom is more effective than a mop, but hey, I mean, you can make it work. Hmm. Right. Um, so, let's see. Da, 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 da. Cetra. Cetra shows up, and he's like, man, I... He The first thing he does is basically he kicks the butts of all the other tomb kings that have ever lived. Because remember, there's a thousand years of kings between those two points. And so he has to put them all right back in their place. And the first thing he says is, go back to sleep at your pyramid. If I need you, I'll wake you up. And anybody said anything else, he smacked around a little bit. And so he takes back over the country, and he is ready to rock and roll up until... Pretty much present-day Warhammer. I know it's weird to say it that way, but like the continuity all the way to the end of the end times, he'll be in Old World, like it'll all be Cetra. Like he's been the dude there for quite a while. Um, right, and then, you know, Nagash's cabal of weird people can get thrown to the winds and, of course, are forever trying to resurrect him to bring him back. Now... Such as Arkin? Arkin, yeah, such as Arkin. Thank you for bringing him back up again. And this is one of those... <laughs> This is one of those moments that gets sort of weird because whenever people talk about Warhammer, this is a great quote, which is um, everything is uh, everything is canon, nothing is true. <laughs> oh, ever heard oh, that one? Yeah. Oh, it's, it, I mean, to be fair, all of us who do Warhammer content, that, that it's a bit of a pet peeve sometimes because you want to make <laughs> you know you yeah. want to like if someone's going to correct you in the comments, being like, yeah, you, oh yeah. You, you flubbed that thing, and you're like, actually, mm. it's nothing's correct. It's all lies. <laughs> yeah. It's the, it's the problem of, like, I mean, if you've been developing something for 30 years, you're going to run into that problem, right? I mean, you 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 have a version, you change it later. And this is definitely one of those situations. So originally, Arkan kind of dies to let Nagash get away and, like, enact his crazy ritual. But then the books came out later, and, you know, suddenly we had to do more stuff. So instead of burning his body, he was then kidnapped by the neighboring province of uh, Lamia, right? The, and so... You actually get a different story of the neighboring province nearby that ends up creating vampires from Nagash. So they want to they kidnap uh, Arcan because they want to create the elixir of life for themselves, right? This amazing, powerful thing he made. And they botch it, and they end up giving themselves an internal thirst for blood. Um, and so then you have Arcan simping for Neferata for the entire rest of eternity based on that little bit right there. And yeah, that's um, that's everything for the Tomb Kings I can think of. I mean, that's oh, pretty much who they are. Like you have these giant constructs, you have a bunch of mummies fighting each other. So they figured out that you could also like bind warriors' souls into those great big Egyptian statues, so they move around a little bit. So yeah, they're fun. They're super cool. <laughs> I do have one question about the oh, uh, Tomb Kings, which is um, like they are are they obviously they kind of there doesn't there's no new Tomb King as in in terms of like in the world there's no like basically their supplies of like men always whittle down right there's no yeah. like well i think the idea is so every tomb so you know how the chinese emperors would have like that entire terracotta army buried with them oh yeah yeah all right so the tomb kings did that except they buried <laughs> real people alive with them oh and so oh, lovely there's sort of an infinite number of armies just hanging out in the desert like three thousand years of history just hanging out under there and so to replenish their forces they're always going around and literally digging out their old armies that are trapped under the stands screaming <laughs> for mercy uh just for love the idea of nagash with a shovel just going i knew i put them here somewhere where are they <laughs> 
<laughs> I killed a thousand people right here. They should be. You'd in, think I remember. What am I like? Ugh. Hand on hip. I'd lose my head if it wasn't bolted on with something. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're bang on. Yeah, so that's the thing. So oh, the last Tomb Kings, I mean, so all of them died. It was like 2,000 years before like the modern point in the story right there. So it's very much mm-hmm. like the sort of everybody just hangs out with what they have and they're sort of these ghosts that live in the desert. Occasionally they'll come out. Not very much. Like there was a Norskin raiding party one time that like broke in and st- stole a crown. And so Setra took like this elite core and then just basically burned Norska to the ground until he got his stuff back and then disappeared back to the desert. And so I don't know. <laughs> I have one more uh, question, which was about because they are obviously undead, but the actual yes. Tomb King soldiers, do they have like their personality still intact? Like even the foot soldiers? So, good question. It has to do with the mummification techniques. So, the Tomb Kings, like Cetra, the pharaohs, what we would call them, although they're never called pharaohs in the lore, as far as I can tell, had extra mummification happen to them. So, they had, like, additional spells of binding, of spells of whatever. And so, their their souls were able to re-inhabit their bodies perfectly, almost like they just went to sleep and woke back up again, right? But, you know, that's sort of like the Cadillac of mummification, and your average peon didn't get that, right? They got the oh, one where you stuff to roll the windows up by hand. So, <laughs> you know, they're alive in the sense that they move around, and some of them have some personality, not much. You know, it's very, you know, it's very sort of like being commanded. Like they're not being individually like necromanced like puppets, but kind of like zombies. They're just reduced down to the basic emotions of you know, walk, stab. I don't know. I, so it's I like like glitters like of the memory. idea that there's like like a service you can get it's just like with embalming plus we'll make you have even more cognitive ability for as little as 50 pounds a month deposits that's exactly how the lich priest sold it too so that they were always upcharging the current pharaoh like well you know we could get this version if they have that like of course i want this yes i'll give you all the money in the world you know that's how they took crazy control at the time so yeah. the necrons is just like get in the thing it'll be fine promise i would say it's uh Good. Glad you brought it up, Andy, because especially after the, I think, 5th edition of 40K, the big rewrite that just basically turned the Necrons into Tomb Kings, that's... Yeah. The, the specifics are different, but it's more or less like a one-to-one. It's like, you know, the average warrior, oh, yeah. he's... Uh, you might find something if you look hard enough, but, you know, all the lords and stuff yeah, still have that, their Yeah, that faculties. generic Necron foot soldier used to be called Jemima, and she was a five-year-old girl. You're like, what is going on? This is scary. Necrons are terrible. Yeah. God, the context of that. <laughs> People who don't know about Warhammer, like, yeah, I'm just going to fight this five-year-old girl who's like a metal skeleton. Midnight. I mean, See you space, later. space Marines are all child soldiers. No one just ever talks about it. Well, yeah, why yeah. am I shocked? <laughs> what am I doing? Oh, it's, man. Uh, it's, n- it's not new. These, the setting is invented, the term grimdark, with good re- good context for mm-hmm. it. I do have another question, but I'm going to say that for the... Uh, for an opportune time in the expert section, because I think okay. uh, I don't want to bring up Bretonia so quickly, because oh, Colin might lose. Colin hates Bretonia, so I don't want to. Well, I'm glad you guys got me on here because I love Bretonia. They're my favorite, and we frequently argue about it on Discord. <laughs> Ooh, We've right. had more than one bar in joust about uh, our, our feelings on Bretonia. You know, you know, I, uh, I, I never, um, I never, really, I never really grasped the uh, the, uh, the the uh, the phrase "Don't meet your heroes" until. I, uh, I heard our <laughs> illustrious guest's opinion oh on, the, uh, on the horse people. And then I understood. In fact, I mean, I'm just going to take the opportunity now. Uh, 
why I was gonna ask why is Bretonia the best faction with the richest law? You're gonna make and let Colin, yeah, yeah Colin, Colin's seething at this. Oh okay. well, I mean, it's Go already guaranteed they're pretty much gonna be the old world starting box alongside Tomb Kings. So I mean, that's that's the 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 big rumor is that those are the two guys that are gonna be the poster boys for old world. Damn. Well, you would not believe how many comments we get in every video saying, I can't wait for Colin to do the Britonia video because that's oh, his God. favorite like, faction. There's like someone there's going dozens and grinding their teeth for an hour. That's. I think that might be my proudest accomplishment in the, the Warhammer community is that someone once <laughs> told me that before I came along, the hatred for Britonian Bretonians was far lesser than it was. <laughs> it is. You, it's interesting that you really have become the focal point for that. Like everybody <laughs> repeats what you say about that hatred for Bretonia. You've given it such form and shape. Uh, um, oh I don't like modern Bretonia. I actually like fifth edition Bretonia. I think they did away with a lot of really cool lore on them. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I like King Arthur. I was really big into that as a kid, shockingly. Um, and so I, I can definitely feel a lot of that in there in the Robin Hood aspects, you know, the Harrow Malts and things like that. I think there's a lot of really cool aspects to it. Um, I think that the End Times did them as well as other people dirty. Cetra got off pretty good in the End Times, though. Went down like a boss, like chopping heads off by the hundreds by himself. So, you know, Tomb King's come out of it pretty well, though. I do like the Green Knight, though. The Green Knight is slaps violently. Oh, yeah. As I've told Andy... The only good Bretonian, because the only good one is a dead one. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, our first, was that our first episode of Fireside? Uh, I, I uh, believe it was that I dropped that. <laughs> yeah. the... uh, His hatred is blazing like the sun. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool, man. They got Musalon for that. So you got an entire faction just of dead Bretonians just for you if you ever want to play them there, that's, Colin. That's Ooh. true. I might have to look into it once the Old World drops. Give me that Red Duke energy. He is pretty awesome. Yeah. I know my Warhammer fantasy, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> uh, that was my final question. Essentially, I was gonna, I wasn't gonna bring up Bretonia so early because Colin, obviously, pain, ready, um, ready to go off. I do have more, but I'll say that for later. Uh, that was pretty. As a, I think that's pretty. Uh, not cohesive. That's pretty comprehensive. I think we've got a good start here. I'm ready. Well, I mean, I'm glad to have given you guys a solid foundation to build from. Uh, it is all based on jokes and silly research on my end, but it's fun to delve into. So I'm new to this, though. I, I readily admit that before I started the Noobs Guide series three years ago, I had never encountered Warhammer. So this is all still new to me. Like, you know, I'm just using historical research background to, like, learn as much as I can. So I'm excited to hear from our expert, Colin. I mean, take it away, man. Like, I'm going to have questions now. All right, well, a fantastic job in the beginner, and I, I'll do my best to follow it up. For the expert section, as uh, as our wonderful guest, I have 50 different ways I wanted to say that in my head, and they all tried to fight one of my mouth at once. <laughs> you were just saving off the hatred for Britannia, you know. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm no, so conflicted. That, that was fighting its way, too. Eye-twitching. Uh, <laughs> uh, thousands of years before Sigmar was even a thought, in, uh, in his dad's eye, in his dad's mind, we come to the Tomb Kings. They were already the greatest human civilization on Earth, and really the first one. Uh, much like Egypt, I know there's that fun little fact, uh, Cleopatra is closer to the smartphone being invented than she was to the pyramids being built. Uh, I hate that. Why have you? Why would you... <laughs> my mind, what, what have you done? I don't, I don't know, it's a cool fact. He's right, that's true. He was what, 40, uh, 50 BC. So, yeah, I mean, you're bang on. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. 
Much the same with the Tomb Kings. They're very old. Uh, according to their myths, once as the or when Chaos uh, broke through the Old Ones portals into the Warhammer world, there were demons there as well. There were kind of demons all over the planet, is something you'll find is pretty common in fantasy. Uh, the sun god Petra himself led a charge against the demons uh, with his soon-to-be followers rallying behind him. And after many centuries of conflict, because they didn't have the the vortex just to drain away everything, they had to actually fight him out, they cleared away all of the demons, and the Neheqaran gods rewarded their people with actually uh, some nice fertile lands. Uh, they turned Neheqara from what was, you know, basically what it is in current fantasy, a complete desert, awful place to live. It was actually, you know, it had a decent bit of greenery. It was still a desert. It wasn't, you know, paradise. Uh, it's not Ulthuan. They're not elves. But it was still, you know, it was still a good place to live. They got the uh, the river Vitae, the, the not Nile, and taught them all the cool things about civilization. You know, your writing, your building, your ability to read, that then was not taught to most of the people because you got to keep the ruling class in power. They, uh, they, they did good. And in exchange for worship of the gods, they would watch over the people of Nehekara. And thus did the land come into being, the first great realm of mankind. Uh, before, as uh, Cody said earlier, before even Cathay, uh, they, again, Egypt is old, and so are the Tube Kings. And is, there any, is there any old one shenanigans here? With, uh, I thoughts. could not find much in the way. Uh, I do have uh, a theory of it. Is that so? The old, the old ones created all the uh, races uh, to fight back chaos. You know, humans were one. They created the elves, the dwarfs, uh, pretty much everyone on the Warhammer Fantasy world. But the orcs, the orcs were just there, and they couldn't get rid of them. Uh, so my thought about that was that uh, Nehekara, much as that region of the world is where we believe humans came from in real life. I uh, I believe that's where the old ones plopped down the first humans. Oh, cool. It's, uh, again, I couldn't find anything supporting that, so do take that with a grain of salt, uh, but that's the what I think is the most likely for... How did these people get here? Although humans were one of the later races created, so they weren't given... They, they didn't get the full pre-packaged deal. They didn't get gifted culture and everything, like the elves and the dwarves. They just kind of got plopped down, and then the old ones made ogres, and then left. The FIFA development team made humans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> not out there, sorry. Uh, no worries. Uh, but sent for centuries after this, it was, you know, they were doing well. Uh, they formed all the, many of the cities that would come to be uh, created, like uh, Khemri, uh, Lamia, uh, Zandri, and they were all in a loose kind of alliance. Uh, they paid tribute to the great king, who was the one who ruled in Khemri, but they each had... Ugh, pardon me. They each ruled over their own city, otherwise with complete power. So, essentially, if the guy ruling Khemri wasn't around, you could do whatever the hell you wanted as king. Uh, they drove back marauding greenskins hord, greenskin hordes every now and then, which... Again, Warhammer 40k, our fantasy. You wait long enough, there's going to be orcs somewhere. And over the centuries, the uh, borders of ancient Nehekara expanded to the southern lands of the Empire of Man, to the Southlands, and even to the edges of the Darklands, home of the Chaos Dwarfs, who are still kind of coming about. 
Uh, and in these pre-dynastic times, things were good until they weren't. And then they got really bad, which is a trend for Warhammer, because if things are good and nice, we don't get a war game out of it. It's, uh, oh, I can, oh, uh, that, I, pardon me, I just remember what I was going to say. This was uh, before Cetra as well. Cetra went hog wild with the conquest, but they were already doing pretty well with it uh, before he showed up. Of course, after this, it's called the uh, the Time of Strife, which, uh, Andy, how uh, how does it usually go in Warhammer when something's called the Age of Strife? Very badly. Uh, there's usually a lot of, lot of crying and loss of technologies and pain, death, and, you know, loss of Game Boys and all sorts of terrible things. It's dreadful. Yeah. I lost my Game Boy. That's oh, really, really uh, sad. Rest in peace, Just Game Boy. Just resurging your youth, you know, your, the times you went to school and you went, <laughs> I've lost my Where's Game my Boy. original Nintendo DS? That thing could oh, still work. It's like a Nokia brick phone. gold cartridge is broken. Oh no, I lost Nokia. Uh. I've, I've still got mine. Does anyone here have a Nokia brick phone? I, I do. It still it. works. It still works. Wow. Why? It works. Why does it still work? Because they take the battery out and just every now and again I'll turn it back on just to prove it does. Do you play Snake on it too? Oh, hell yes. Oh, man, man of culture over here. See, Warhammer <laughs> people are the, be are the most elite, like, uh, fan fandom. Fandom? Oh, God, I can't believe I said that word. Continue on, Colin. I'm going to talk myself into a corner here. <laughs> I said nothing. I'll, uh, I'll come to the rescue with the shovel to dig you out of this hole. Uh, it is time for the Time of Strife, uh, very aptly named as each city pretty much just turned on every other city. Uh, and it was, there wasn't really anything like, you know, alliances or leagues. It was just every king for himself. And to top it off, because when things go, when it rains, it pours, famine and disease ran rampant, and outside forces ranging from barbarian tribes, you know, those uh, uh, eventual Sigmar worshippers, they uh, weren't happy with the not-Egyptians outside their house. I would quite like them to leave, so they started invading. Lizardmen uh, from the Southlands actually invaded because these warm bloods needed to learn their place. And the orcs, again, they're orcs. If there's a fight going there. on, yeah, they're just there. That's uh, they're like the they're grass. like a bad rash you can't get rid of. Uh, yeah, no, there's there's no getting. I mean, green is the best. Uh, and this very nearly wiped out the uh, the realm. One man, however, rose up. Cetra the Great, the Imperishable. I'm not reading out all of those names. In canon, it would oh, take two hours and at least five minutes here. Uh, I did have... I, I Semi-related. I, <laughs> I read it out for a video, just a stupid thing, and I told my uh, mm. Discord, I made a channel for it, and I said, come up with names for me. So at some point, I need to... I'm going to read out a full list of names people came up until it reaches two hours. As, as long as we don't do a Tomb, Kim, Tomb King's quiz, and then one of the questions is, what are all of his names? And there's like a maximum of 700 points. It'd be like, no, that's, that's going to take too long to type out. <laughs> Whoever gets this one wins. I have a question for Cody. What's the name of the assassin guy who's like uh, Cetra's like, best buddy or whatever? He's like a half, the barbarian, like half barbarian, half... Is he half barbarian or is he Bibbit? Barbarian? Barbarian. <laughs> well, there's two remember. different ones, right? There's a Apophis, which is like his scarab ghost buddy who like offs people as an assassin. But he has like one really big general guy that you're talking about that guy? I think so, yeah. He's the one who I remember like being a really cool like he saves his life a few times, I think. 
Maybe. I don't know. Maybe personal guard. Colin, do you have that one? It was uh, Nick Cetera. Half. Uh, it may be. It was, uh... He's like... He's one of the only Tomb King characters who I was like, oh, was... other than Cetra, obviously, who's like, <laughs> oh, that guy's badass. I'm pretty sure it was Nakaf. I wish uh, he was in Total War. He, uh... Yeah. He, uh... He's... I don't think he ever confirmed it, but they uh, rumored it to be... Uh, he's of partial Norskin descent, which would explain why he's built like a brick shit house. Fair enough. So kind of like on. Those Andre the Giant jeans go a long way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't you, you don't want to get on Cetra's bad side because then the calf is going to cut you in half. Uh, hey, and it even rhymes. Uh, as for Cetra himself, he's arrogant, supremely full of himself, and cruel beyond measure. And in this time of civil war, he was just the guy for the job. And I was, as I was writing this out, uh, I had a thought, and we were talking about Dragon Ball Z before we started. It f- cemented it to me. Uh, I like to think of Cetra. He's kind of like Warhammer Fantasy Vegeta, in the way that he's so arrogant and full of himself that it wraps around from you going, "I hate this guy. He's a prick." To Yes, he's here. This is awesome. Everything he, he says is up. gold. I mean, that's the whole thing. Is like he backs it up. Both of them do. Oh yeah, they're they're I'm ready like, to go. The elder. <laughs> All right. Well, easy now. We're talking about fantasy. At least stick to the elves. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they they even have a uh, the same like you know he just shows up goes I am Setra the imperishable. Vegeta goes, I'm the Prince of All Saints, and that's all you need to know. They've said everything they needed to say, and it's time for a beating. Uh, I don't know. I don't like that subtitle. He's got the imperishable. It sounds like he should be living in your cupboard. Like, buy yourself some Cetra the Imperishable. It lasts for years. Whenever you need something to cook for like 10 minutes, just like get it in a can or something. Or is a can of spam as a Tomb King? Yeah, character. exactly. You will you will be flogged for disrespecting the imperishable yeah. like this. <laughs> this yeah. Instant beheading. This is he's worthy of uh, some praise here. I think. Uh, uh, like I mentioned with the titles, it, the fullest was two hours long, and if any of his heralds goofed, they lost their head. So Damn. you better memorize that stuff good, because otherwise your retirement's coming early. Uh, I am in the gash like two sides of the same coin, kind of. Uh, in, in a way, uh, just, they're both very I like cool. That. I think that's. I personally, yeah, I, I dig that. I think that's exactly right. I mean, it's just that blind ambition and willing to sacrifice anyone around you, quite literally in Nagash's case. Mm-hmm. So, it's. Uh, I think the difference is, uh, like, two sides of the same coin. I think what makes them different is that Cetra knows uh, the full bit of Machiavelli, which is you should be feared and loved, not just one. Uh, Nagash didn't quite care for the love part, and that led to a lot of problems. Uh, Cody, also, I feel like you might know, that's... Is it ever confirmed that he was more or less writing satire, and people just use that to justify atrocities? Machiavelli? Yeah. Uh, It was definitely meant to... He was sort of selling it as a self-help book. It was it was very much like, hey, you know, guys, this is what a good king looks like. I'm not saying that you should be, but if you want to hire me to teach you how to be it, I can. <laughs> you know, just- wasn't he? Um, did he write that before or after like the Medici's, like when he was like ousted, uh, Machiavelli? I can't remember. 
His I life think it was broke. after. Like the whole thing was he was trying to get back in everybody's good graces. I can't remember if it's Medici specifically, but he was very much like on the out and like trying to get his way back in by proving his value. He, he praised, um, was it Cesare Borgia? I, I, I'm not 100% on it. If he's praising Borgia, or... man, that's getting pretty I far down he, the line. I think there. he did. I think he praised, like, I mean, to be fair, this was like probably like early career, maybe. It's like, oh, it's like uh, praising early Kanye work. And then you go, oh, the second half was like a bit weird. And you go, what happened? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Isn't he in Assassin's Creed 2? I remember uh, that yeah. name from season 2. Uh, also in history as well. <laughs> yeah, that, that famous guy from Assassin's Creed 2 and nothing else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're very good about getting historical context for a lot of stuff. I, I think that they, some of them do a lot of hard work about getting the research right. Um, and then they turned it into an RPG. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. Uh, speaking of soon to be dead, well, I guess Assassin's Creed's been pretty rough for a while, but Tube Kings aren't quite dead yet. <laughs> Uh, they're actually about to be doing all right because, you know, like I said, uh, loved and feared. Cetra was all about that. Uh, of course, you know, still into the fear. So as uh, Cody mentioned earlier, murdered all of his kids to prove that he was committed to the gods because out of all of the priest kings, uh, as they were known at the time, he gave, he knew that if he wanted to rule over the people, he needed the gods on his side which is always really funny when people in fantasy settings where the gods like are actively involved just kind of forget about them. I never quite got why that happens. Like you know, he was he just showed up last week. Uh but such such knew he was in a fantasy setting, so he uh made sure to build them temples, ceremonies and you know the the kids. Uh after that, with the gods on his side and the people warming up to him cuz he was at least getting results. His uh, sacrifices and other stuff returned, uh, ended a horrible drought. So people are liking Setra more and more. He gets to conquering. Essentially, what happens is Setra shows up and demands that you join him. And if you do, you you now follow Setra. If you don't, uh, your city's going to vanish. Uh, at least until you get the message and surrender. And then he'll just <laughs> kill you and everyone who fought against him. A very intimidating magic trick. Like, you see a city? It's gone. It's gone. Look at that. Hey. Oh, sp- speaking of, he also taught himself magic. Uh, solely because it was something he couldn't do, and that is quite simply not allowed to happen. What lord <laughs> is he learning? Is this your card? Is this your card? No. Oh, and he's just terrible when he starts out. <laughs> Flips the table when the kid gets the wrong card or something. <laughs> what, what, did you, what did you ask, Cody? What lore did he learn? I didn't know he taught himself magic. That's cool. I couldn't find where it's like this. What lore it said he learned, but I know it could have been the in the Total War, either the lore of Nehekra or lore of Light. Since I know those are the ones they have uh, available to them in the game. Uh, I didn't see specifically. Uh, at least I might have just missed it. Uh, what lore he learned, but he basically just said, "I'm a wizard now. I this is my thing now." Isn't he, like, stunningly average at it, though? Isn't that the funny part? Oh, I mean, he's, he's not great at it, but, you know, in Warhammer, it's not like D&D, where if you read books long enough, you're a wizard. You, you kind of need to have that vibe going for you. And he, your, your interpretation, it's like, I, he just says, I'm a wizard, does random card tricks, and pulls out rabbits occasionally, and nobody argues with him. <laughs> no one wanted to You're a wizard, etc. I'm a what? 
a wizard. <laughs> no one wanted to argue because they'd get their beheaded. It's it's not it's not worth going against them on this issue. <laughs> it's a good magic trick, is it? Yes, my lord. Mm, yes, mm, definitely. Mm. <laughs> wonderful, mm, wonderful. Yeah, sure. Please don't kill me. Unless Harry and more Hermione. He's the Hermione of all uh, the Potter setting. Unless Harry. <laughs> oh, Harry Harry would be Max Schreiber. <laughs> it's Nehekara, not Nehekara, no, that kind of thing. Oh god, we're gonna, people listening to this are going to hate us. Gonna, <laughs> oh, man. We've said much worse. We have. We already stated with a, a ten thousand year old nut at the beginning, so it can't. It's only gone uphill. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but after enough of this, he had reunified Nehekara, and then he just kept going. Uh, he wasn't just restoring the land, he was going to make it bigger and better than ever. And his name got to the point where he was feared halfway around the world, is the uh, the exact sentence I read, which, if taken literally, means that even the elves and dwarves, at the height of their power, would, if they came into conflict with him, he won. Which, I don't know about you, but I have no issues with this, uh, etc., He's, Even uh, against the elves, for I you? listen. If it was almost anyone else, I'd be like, "No, that's stupid." But etc. It's like I was saying earlier. Like he's so arrogant, and he, he his ego is so massive that he's earned the he's right to just win. An elf. He, he tells, I know at least in Total War, he he's he challenges dark elves if you open diplomacy with him as one to try and match the, his cruelty. Uh, he he is just. So so Let's awesome. have a cruel off. What? He's one of, one of those characters that you just go, he's so cool. I don't care that half of this is so stupid. He's just so yeah. cool. It's a special chariot made just to carry his balls next to him because <laughs> they're so massive. It's, it's like I, a... I actually gen- you said that with such conviction and chest. I like actually believed you. For a <laughs> it's, a, it's like a, it's like oh a, it's God. like the sidecar of a motorcycle. <laughs> Antique embalmed balls, lovely. Ugh. And uh, and as uh, Cody said, his fleets even made it as far as Lustria, uh, which is Warhammer South America. So imagine if you know Ramses the Great or someone just showed up uh, in South America. We found records of him hanging out there. That's what he did because it was land, therefore it belonged to him. That that was it. And he was. Uh, I mentioned the wizard thing. But, as we said earlier, again, he was still a man, and he realized that not only would he not live long enough to conquer everything, which is a major downer for him, in death, his accomplishments, as far as he cared, would be nothing, because he's not around to keep conquering and enjoy his realm. So, he commanded his priests to find the secret of eternal life and founded the Mortuary Cult. And, you know, they they did pretty good by the standards of eternal life, I mean, I guess, again, that's kind of a all-or-nothing deal. But they did keep him alive for hundreds of years. So it wasn't like he, you know, he hit 60 and croaked. Uh, but in the end, despite them finding out how to use the winds of magic, how to keep people alive for much longer, they failed. Uh, pissed, but you can't really outwill aging. Uh, Setra ordered the construction of the greatest monument ever to be built in Nehekara, his burial pyramid. Because if he has to die, he's doing it in style. Uh, Even better than the Black Pyramid. 
Oh, that's like a arguably. Ash, yeah, yeah, Ash comes later. He's yeah. actually bigger. Ash builds something specifically bigger than Cetra just to kind of dunk on him. Yeah, no, that's oh, my bigger. My pyramid's bigger than yours. Yeah, oh, it literally is that though. Oh my god, that's so pesky. And uh, it was given the finest of awards. Oh, what's up? Sorry, I, I didn't realize you were talking. I said, oh. "Welcome to the tomb." He said, "It's so petty," and I said, "Welcome to the tomb, kings." Ah, uh, yeah, they uh, <laughs> very cool, very good at what they do. Oh, oh so petty. Uh, but this pyramid, finest of wards, finest of riches. If they could have made the whole thing out of solid gold, I'm sure they would have. But it was just, you know, just the finest white marble in all of the land. And he was buried alongside his most trusted soldiers and servants. Uh, alive, as we talked about. So I always just, whenever I think about it, I just go, I really hoped <laughs> you don't join the Neheckerin army when your king is getting up there in the years. Because you're <laughs> you're going to have a rough one pretty soon if your king's about to pass. I don't, I don't know which is worse, being like a, a veteran or being a brand new, like, I've just been inducted as his, his official shoe shiner. I'm a week in, it's going well. Wait, what's that? What's that like JCB doing coming towards this big? <laughs> oh no, I'm being buried. I didn't even get to do my job for long. Get, get, get in the pyramid, Shinji. <laughs> get in the pit. <laughs> I need to call my union after this. Wait, there are no unions. Oh, this is a monarchy. Uh, he was promised that the mortuary cult would continue the research into not only eternal life, but resurrecting the dead and granting him a body of solid living gold. Because Warhammer Emperors are tacky. And after this, it is known as the Time of Kings, and the Mortuary Cult grows. So after he died, no one could quite hold uh, everything together like him. He was just too awesome for anyone to follow that act up. And the city-states once again became united. Well, you know, they did fight every now and then, but it was nothing like the Time of Strife. It was, at least the comparison I thought of was, it was more like the Greek city-states. Where there's not, usually, I... My thesis was on the Peloponnesian War, so it did happen. But there's not usually, like, massive wars. The little skirmishes between the cities, borders change a bit, and then everyone goes home. Uh, you know, Camry needs some more slaves, so they're going to go kick someone in the teeth and bring them back home. That kind of thing. And the mortuary cult was not idle. They kept their research going, and by the fifth generation of these priests, who had been, by this point, extending their lives very long... This is when they discovered how to bind their souls to their bodies and remain alive forever. And they were almost, at least they felt, able to uh, live forever. They were, or not live forever, uh, bring back the dead. And something I think is notable is that they weren't, uh, this isn't technically necromancy. It kind of is, but someone coming up soon is kind of the inventor of it. Because I, unless I uh, again, unless I miss something, the Doom Kings don't use like dark magic. Uh, that's how necromancy usually kind of works in Warhammer. They use the uh, darker, darker sides of magic, but the Nehekarans didn't use that, so they were able to. It, oh, I was gonna say, does it come from their like Nehekaran gods? So it's like a kind of yeah. They yeah. kind of skip the skipper like a step. It's like this is slightly cleaner. This is like filtered. <laughs> necromancy yeah. power. And <laughs> necromancy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they got a right, filter on the tap. 
And what I read was they have their own kind of version of the underworld. So they're sort of welcoming people back from the underworld and then like rebinding those souls back up into the world of living again. But the, uh, the dark magic stuff, Nagash learns dark magic from dark elves is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, you're going to get there. Okay. Yeah. Yep. They, uh, those fellows are coming soon. Also, uh, if anyone's watching, feel free to keep a counter of everything you can blame on Malekith. Uh, because that counters pretty much every problem in the Warhammer fantasy world. It's uh, I'll darn it. get to it, but yeah, it's not at all hard to blame him for this too. Oh. Uh, but these before that, these now lich priests uh, enjoyed power on paper, second only to the royal dynasties themselves. In practice, they were mostly in charge because, again, secret of eternal life. Everyone wants to live forever until they think about it too much. But this is, it became the craze. Uh, as they we ta- discussed earlier, they realized relatively soon there's a difference between eternal life and eternal youth because the body keeps ticking, but the soul isn't. So they became walking mummies. And the entire realm, as the lich priests uh, spread knowledge of their abilities became obsessed with death. So this is why in uh, at least in the Tomb King's lore there's you know everything has you know skulls and it's all tombs, pyramids, all that stuff because with the uh, idea that you can live forever, death kind of became one of the biggest things they were thinking about. It, uh, A cultural cornerstone. Yeah, it uh it got to the point that a ma- almost a majority of the treasury, I guess, like their resources were being devoted to maintaining and creating these uh, monuments uh, to death. I love that there are so many skulls in Warhammer that eventually the company was like, dude, we need to come up with a lore reason why there's so many campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of skulls. It's like, what? Well, we need to figure this out. We, we painted 50 of them on this map. Why are they there? They explain it in the, uh, the one of the Warhammer books, isn't it? It's the, um, the four. No, 30k uh, Horus Heresy Master of Mankind like, isn't like the for the uh, 40k verse. They explain why there's a skull everywhere because like, like the Emperor held like a skull. The Emperor essentially held his like his dad's skull when he was a kid. But I don't know what if there's like a yeah. Warhammer moment maybe for that. <laughs> they were so, big fancy, fans, sorry, They're all fancy. big fans of Hamlet. Oh, I they're using all the the other bones though, like femurs. Like, oh, not another femur. I've got loads of them. They're not useless. Can't put them on anything. Can't put them on like, like chairs. It's all skulls these days. You know, premium. Yeah, really. The trendy ear bones. Oh, there you. Make, make a keychain. Oh, rubbish. <laughs> Are we just really discussing bone fashion? It's, it's a Tomb King video, so I mean, bone they're, they're <laughs> yeah. kind of linked. Uh, and these pyramids, it was kind of weird because on the one hand. No one wants to build a bigger pyramid than Cetras, uh, both out of respect and fear that the sheer audacity of doing that would be enough to bring him back to slap you into the dirt. Uh, but they wanted them bigger than the guy who came before them. So I like to imagine they had to get creative at some point. Like, one guy built his upside down. One guy just... It's like one story tall, but it's really wide. Uh, one guy like dug underneath another guy so it sank him and there's another guy with like a tape measure making sure like the distance between like cetras and the other guys it's like a millimeter he's like if i can do 0.5 of a millimeter i can just say i've got it bigger than his a quarter of a pebble and i'll be good it's just basically like 
a friend's Minecraft server. Where, like, they're all just, like, <laughs> trying just to going build. nuts with it, yeah. Uh, and, you know, well, this is, uh, you know, the lesser nobles got into this. The warriors were being rewarded with eternal life as well, being bound into the Ushabtis, the constructs, like uh, was mentioned earlier. And very morbid, but this is still one of the most prosperous times of Cameroon history. Or all of Nehekaro, really. And then it's time for the second evilest dude in all of Warhammer to make his grand entrance. Uh, second only to every Skaven who ever lived ever. Uh, they all fight for the pr t uh, title of first place. You know, I was about to argue with you about that, but as soon as you said the Skaven, I was like, oh no, no, he's right. <laughs> you know, any, any the evil though is they just pure instinct of just like, I just want to live and I want to survive and eat and yeah. Is that like, it's, it's not malicious, is it? It's just they're, they're just uh, I think, wired to be annoying. I think just for reference on that, there's a, as the Skaven, if you build the max level gold mine in Total War, the description is, I have this memorized because it's so funny. Uh, although they have no use for it personally, the Skaven will mine gold purely to inconvenience the other races. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like an annoying little brother rather than like, you know, Vlad the Impaler, you know? Well, so this is like a... well they also built nukes and used them frequently. Yeah, but if a toddler could do that, they'd probably do it just because they're brats, what, you what, know? What, what do you Yo, think? Yo, what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to justify my point somehow. What uh, are these hanging out with any toddlers? What are, <laughs> what, the ones in the UK are feral. I would say, what know? are UK children like? I get, uh, I, and then again, terrible. I, I guess I have Lord, Lord of the Flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> article or a Reddit post somewhere I came across years ago. And the, one of the questions in it was, okay, so Skaven are terrible, right? So if, if someone took a Skaven orphan and raised them by humans, would they still be evil or not? Like this thread went on and on and on to the point that I couldn't tell if it was based on a short story or someone came up with it. But I mean, people have had the how evil are the Skaven discussion for years. <laughs> we've, we've been on the internet too long when <laughs> we started getting into these. Right. Oh my lord! Oh, I just, I just, I, I linked um, this that that image of like uh, raising a Skaven with the uh, the seminal movie um, Cats versus Dogs, where there's the bit where the evil cat's wearing a bonnet and it goes, "Evil does not wear a bonnet." And I'm just imagining a Skaven doing that now. If, uh, nothing of James if, Corden and cats. cats. If if nothing, <laughs> cornerstone of modern cinema, Cats versus Dogs. <laughs> if if nothing else, uh, Andy and Hell, uh, the way Skaven are born, just imagine industrial scale Demonculaba. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's not oh, great. I'm ready. Nom 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 nom. It's not great. Moving on. Oh, yeah. Mo moving on to second place in evil in mm. the evil land. Uh, in the Hecarin royal culture, the firstborn child, unlike everyone else ever, is not the guy who's in charge. They go to the mortuary cult to become a lich priest. The secondborn rules, and thus Nagash became a lich priest and his brother Thutep took the crown after their father passed. Uh, like Cetra, as a, that two sides of the same coin, that was a really good point earlier, uh, They he was a power-hungry egomaniac. Unlike Cetra, did not care for the love part of feared and loved. He was even once briefly given command of an army in a city when the general in charge of the campaign uh, was killed, but was not only removed from power once the situation was sorted out, 
but his name was removed from the history books. He was only referred to as a great leader. Uh, so Nagesh not only wasn't allowed to be king, not only had all of the things he'd done taken away from him, but he had a taste of power, and by God, did he want it back. One night, though, his, uh, his luck turned for the better, and everyone else on the planet's for the worse. When a trio of dark elves were captured and brought to be sacrificed, Nagash told everyone, you know, he's a high priest, he's a, he'll gladly take over the sacrificial rites and all that stuff, and then he just took off and locked him in his basement, and he told them that they could either teach him dark magic, or they can die, and they were a lot more willing to help this human out with, uh, with those terms. And uh, I mentioned Malekith earlier. I believe that these are the same elves that started the War of the Beard with the murder of the dwarf caravans. Oh, so they deserved it. Uh, but then, well, I mean, they're, I mean, they're dark elves. They're they all deserve it. Ah, uh, true. But uh, yeah, so there, uh, there's the other counter for Malekith doing everything wrong. We've got destroying uh, the elves. We've got having the dwarves and elves destroy each other. And we have Nagash, so thank you, Malekith, for just being the worst. I mean, Malekith all over the setting. I, yeah, and yeah. That phrase Malekith was Malekith found Bretonia, though. He's uh, actually, Bretonia. oh god, I didn't even think about that. Actually, technically, yes, because the reason uh, that oh wow, Bretonia and much of the human lands in the setting used to be high elven colonies, and because of the War of the Beard and the following Dark Elf invasion of Ulthuan, all of the colonists were called back, and the ones that didn't went to Atholoran. And the Proto-Bretonians learned about horse riding by watching High Elven uh, Silver Helms in battle. So you have them influencing Bretonia, and then you have Atholoran being like Elf Illuminati for Bretonia. Uh, this is like the uh, Always Sunny meme where he has like the red like string and he's just like uh, <laughs> he's like connecting all the dots I, I've oh. I've had my eye open right here wow Malekith oh, really just is the worst he, he is you're, you're right he's responsible for Petonia when you put it that way as soon as you say it's like yeah he recalled all the lands that was that was a complete land. shot in the dark that was just for funny points and I've done something profound <laughs> I'm very Andy who knows nothing about Warhammer law as a Warhammer fan <laughs> pure chaos my, it's it, a moment of enlightenment has just been reached. <laughs> like the uh, if you give um, a million monkeys typewriters, they write Shakespeare. <laughs> and I, I did the same method there. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so these elves taught him dark magic, and eventually they tried to escape, and Nagash killed them in a magical duel. So after uh, just a relatively short time of using them to learn, he was already able to beat dark elves who. You know, I know you don't like them, El Andy, but elves are good at magic, and Nagash pretty quickly was able to take them on at that too. Uh, so Nagash, brilliant, uh, awful, but he is pretty damn smart. And in fact, he became one of the only humans in history to learn to be able to wield dark magic in more or less its raw, unfiltered form. Usually, humans can't do that in Warhammer; they got to use one of the schools of magic, uh, only one lore rather than just all of it. And after this, he uh, decided that now it's time for step two, which was to corrupt the Mortuary Cult and gain followers, most notably Arkin the Black, who was called that because he had black-rotted teeth when he was a human and not a skeleton. 
uh, he was a big fan of it's not chewing tobacco but it's that root like, yeah yeah the black root i think where, where was he was where was he from was he norska no he's uh he's also a nehekaran i think Ah, oh, so so Nehekera no, didn't have any Colgate. Yeah. It was just like we don't brush our teeth around here. No, well, he, he was also noted as being exceptionally foul as a bird. Like not even like awful, just like it was gross to be around Arkin. So there's two interpretations on that one. One is awful dental hygiene. Two, have you ever seen the movie Blackhawk Down? Yeah. Yep. Right. So there's no. actually a type of root that local people in Ethiopia and stuff would chew at the time that would stain the teeth, but it also has like some hallucinogenic properties. So there's an uh, argument whether or not he was chewing it because he has, you know, terrible dental hygiene or sort of why those two kind of go together there. So <laughs> it's, it's tough sometimes to know what the writers were thinking about when they wrote that, because it's only like a sentence, you know? Yeah. Huh. I also haven't seen Black Hawk Down. There's another one for the counter. Colin hasn't Colin, seen any Colin film. Never, Colin hasn't watched. He yeah, hasn't watched Godfather. He he's oh. definitely seen Sword Art Online. I that's have not. Seen, oh my god! I've not seen that show. <laughs> I never okay. will. Uh, I've never seen. Watch all the Dragon Ball GT. I mean, like, there's actually a top 100 <laughs> list. You can just work your way through it. I know I could. Mm. Just... We did. We did have a comment, by the way, that said, uh, "I need to watch Dragon Ball if you watch The Godfather." I think that was the challenge. Well, now I have some motivation, <laughs> other yeah, than constantly. Not, getting... time, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God! Back to Warhammer. I'm getting clowned on too much. Uh, so after he got his followers, uh, he cannot do anything that isn't evil. So he slaughtered his brother's bodyguard in a single night and buried his brother alive. So, great guy. Uh, that wasn't enough, so he forcibly took his wife's hand in marriage, his, his brother's wife's hand in marriage, and crowned himself king. Oh, literally. What? Are you saying he was terrible? At first I was like, Did he, do you mean he, he married her? He's like, cut her hand off and was like, marry oh. me or I'll do this. No, uh, although... Not he, that dreadful. As you can imagine, he was all kinds of abusive so he's again yeah. just the worst uh later he uh doubled down on that by murdering his brother's wife which also had a side effect of breaking a covenant with the Nehekaran gods and causing them to more or less abandon their people uh, so it is he is speed running worst human being on in existence <laughs> uh we get to his black pyramid <laughs> Built out of black marble, specifically to be bigger than Cetra's, because it is an ego contest with the Tomb Kings at every possible moment. And he, unlike uh, the other pyramids, which were given, you know, the nice, lovely kind of magic, Nagash had dark, evil, brooding, uh, 2001 Hot Topic goth magic uh, wards all over his pyramid. Uh, and then he went to conquering, because of course he did. Uh, if you didn't pay tribute to him, you were brutally conquered and enslaved. If you did pay tribute to him when he asked, you were just br just brutally enslaved. <laughs> uh, just collecting war crimes like their Pokemon cards. I, I need that one. Pretty, Let's go for that one. It's, it's the Geneva checklist for Nagash is what it is. Uh, <laughs> Evil bingo. Speaking of, he's the great necromancer is one of his names with good reason. As with him for the first time in the world's history... Skeletons and the undead were raised to be the bulk of his forces. So that's uh, he's the first and greatest necromancer, which keeps going even when he's dead. Uh, so very committed to his work. 
Uh, Books of Nagash. Oh, yeah. He, uh, I, I don't believe, I can't believe I almost skipped over that. He wrote nine books, of course, titled The Nine Books of Nagash, because ego outweighs creativity for these people. And they were the just the combined knowledge of everything he had learned. And uh, I think another Harry Potter reference. He did a, He put a little bit of himself in each of the books, and the end result of that was no one but him could get the full like their full worth out of it, which, one, keeps other people from growing too powerful and makes them dependent on him, because if you want all the secrets, you need Nagash himself. I, I just like the fact that it's like, oh, he was like a he was a general, he was a war criminal, blah, blah, blah. And also, like, novelist. Like, he's, he's you know, he's, he's a Nehekara Times bestseller author, just like, yeah, <laughs> sold a million copies. Everyone loves my books. He's, Why not? He's very prolific. Uh, everything he does is evil, but, you know, he does a little bit of everything. Uh, it took, after just enough of this crap, it took seven kings to combine their seven armies I couldn't figure out a way to write an actually good Seven Nations Army joke. So there's the reference. I'll just throw it up like a Duke Nukem, that awful game, and just point at it and go, yes, here's the reference. Uh, he, he, he assembled them like the White Stripes. Budum tish. That's the band. Yep. And uh, because of uh, all of this fighting, uh, or not, pardon me, I brain meltdown again. Yeah, it happens a lot. Uh, with this seven-nation army, seven-king army, they were finally able to drive out Nagash. And this is one of those, uh, as Cody mentioned earlier, those funky lore bits where there was some retcons and interpretations. The one is that Arkin sacrificed himself to allow Nagash to retreat. And another, so they kidnapped him and brought him to Lamia. But either way, they're out of the picture for now. Uh, because though, you know, Nagash is gone, not dead, very notably gone, his workings had still corrupted the land horribly. Uh, the Age of Strife pretty much began again, because war game has to happen, as disease, famine, and marauders plagued the land once again. It took centuries for these kings to recover the resources and population, because everything was thrown at Nagash to get rid of him, because he is just that awful. Uh, so not only, you know, the treasury's empty, the, there's no people left, but after hundreds of years, we get to the second greatest and last king of Nehekara, Alkadizar. He rose to power, and, you know, Nehekara, it's like the, you know, there's the Gold Age, the Silver Age. This is like the Bronze Age. It's like, you know, it's been better. We're, just, we're doing okay. We're doing pretty good still. Uh, he told the Mortuary Cult, if you deviate at all, I am going to bring the hammer down. Because the last time you deviated from your rituals, we got Skeleton Hitler. So they're going to make sure that the priests are reined in for the first time in thousands of years. And, you know, naturally, everything was going well until it wasn't. Because that city of Lamia, uh, some of those nobles were very corrupt. Uh, the city, just for reference, is on the eastern edge of Nehekara. It's a coastal city that even was one of the places that traded with Cathay when it finally popped up in their history. And, you know, even imported gunpowder, which, you know, I think that's pretty cool. And, again, leaders horribly corrupt and saw Nagash's teachings, the ability to sever the reliance on the mortuary cult once and for all, and get eternal youth, not just eternal life. Because, uh, again, hard to want to live forever if by 200 years in, you're just a skeleton. Not but they haven't discovered Botox yet, so they no. still look a bit Bot weird. Botox... <laughs> 
the highest tech they ever got to was the Renaissance. Botox were still a couple thousand years out, I'm afraid. Just like terrible Tomb King like uh, dating profile. It's just been like, oh god, <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit old. This guy, he says he's 35, but he's 300 he's, as well. He's 3500. Uh, what, what was the, the city again? The coastal city called Lamia. Yeah, Lamia Shore. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Ugh. Jersey Shore. That was a that, that was something. And uh, the Queen of Lamia, uh, Neferata, she became the first vampire and spread it around to her closest friends, who would become the originals, uh, uh, the origin point of the vampire bloodlines in Warhammer. Uh, which, again, if we go back to that, we can blame Malekith for vampires too, in kind of a disconnected way. It really just is the worst. And spread it around is the right word right there, because like, the actual way of getting <laughs> vampirism is really not not particularly detailed. So thinking about it like an STD, a bloodborne STD, yeah, not, not that wrong actually. No, yeah, body fluids are being exchanged somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugh. And uh, it's probably not pleasant. Uh, I guess well, it's not really a spoiler anymore because <laughs> CA released her in the game. Uh, I know Ulrika's transformation wasn't uh, too detailed in the books. Uh, it was described as she pretty much was just blacked out, and then when she woke up, she was real hungry. Except food wasn't cutting it anymore. And so, with this, we now have vampires, be it from depending on which interpretation you want, Neferata reading into Nagash's research and trying to recreate the elixir of life and failing, or Arkin doing his best and still failing because he's not Nagash. And all this time, they were secretly guided by Nagash himself from his new city of Nagashazar. I Every time I say that, I, I want to laugh a bit because it's so arrogant. Such is the power of Nagash. But I, you know, I guess... Can I I'm, pause and ask a question right there? Of course. Every time I read that little bit of lore, I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Because it, it definitely comes across. And then, and then he's like, and then I was pulling the strings all along. <laughs> <laughs> what was he doing right there? It's like, oh, they were doing his plan. He, <laughs> he was mystically guiding them from beyond with magic. <laughs> uh, I think. Undead Alpha Legion. A, another interpretation I read. Uh, possibility of the lore is that when the vampires uh, first tried to contact him he, he basically gave the guy a brain aneurysm and then staked him through the heart for 20 years and then he realized oh these vampires could be really useful servants uh, so depending again on which lore you want to go with he could have been secretly guiding him in the five dimensional chess game he was playing or he just basically tripped into a bunch of superheroes or supervillain servants to have uh, notably, also, the vampires don't really have most of the weaknesses they have yet, uh, because Nagash gave them to them for failing him later on. Uh, but they do, uh, they just have a thirst for blood. They can still go out in the sun. But with this, uh, moving forward to the Tomb Kings, they, uh, they're mighty. Vampires and Warhammer, even, you know, the most scholarly shut-in wizard vampire can still rip a man in half. Uh, when it's one city of them versus all of Nehekara, they're going to lose. Because you might be able to arm wrestle the knight, you can't arm wrestle the sphinx. That's going to put you down. So the vampires were driven out and forced north into Nagash's 
Waiting Arms. I was almost going to say Loving Embrace. I could not bring myself to say that. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a different kind of loving. It's a yeah, yeah. Uh, driving them out, as I said, only led to them becoming his direct servants now instead of mystical. Maybe they are. Maybe he's just full of it. And Nagash, the battle, you know, the war round two is ready to go, and they were fiercer than ever before because Nagash was now not even fighting to rule. He was just fighting to just kill, just ruin everyone else. Uh, the River Vitae, the you know the Not Nile, was poisoned and later renamed the Great Mortis River because it doesn't give life anymore. You drink that water, you're probably gonna die. And Is it like uh, what's it? The the water in Flint. Oh, Jesus <laughs> that's Christ! That's a is that a correct reference? I don't know. Uh, no, yeah, you were... I mean, you're not wrong. It's just like really messed up thing to say. <laughs> is it? I don't know. <laughs> God, my apologies. What there. How? <laughs> I don't know. All I know is people joke about the water in Flint. I don't know what the water in Flint is like. Uh, very Bad? tainted. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Accurate, <laughs> apologies to anyone from Flint, Michigan. Yeah, apologies. <laughs> What, what, is this a Captain in the Woods little... reference or something? I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, different this... different side of the of the pond here, so we're a bit lost. <laughs> uh, city with very tainted drinking water. Think about it well, like one of the plagues of Egypt, right, where the Nile turned into blood, right? And so everybody that drinks from it, it kills everything around it. More like that. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Uh, That's a better reference. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> oh, well, live and learn, Hal. Yep. And uh, despite the ferocity of the battle, the Tomb Kings were... I mean, it's still scary fighting the undead, but this was the second time he was back, so they had a bit more experience. Despite that, Al-Qadizar was captured and brought back to Nagashazar, the wonderful city of Nagash, founded by Nagash. Love Nagash. And it was time for his greatest ritual yet. Raise every single corpse on the planet under his control. Elf, dwarf, orc... Probably a lot of Skaven, because they die every three seconds. Didn't matter. They were all going to be under his control. And this was, by this point, after the Elves and the Dwarfs had their big old punch-up. So, there's a lot of corpses all over the place now. Uh, al was kept alive pretty much just to suffer and watch his kingdom be erased. And, surely enough, Nagash started with Nehekera. And in the blink of an eye, everything that was alive just wasn't anymore. Uh... It was there was still desert in it, but it was still decently, you know, green and verdant. You know, there were waterfalls, oasises, that kind of stuff. Now, none of that. It's all dead. Uh, before he could finish, however, uh, we had what, what did you what did you say earlier that uh, Cody the Deus ex Skaven? <laughs> yep, uh, because the Skaven very self centered, but sometimes you can still be helping everyone out by being selfish because everything on the planet included the Skaven uh, would have been conquered by him. So they gave, uh, they freed al from his bindings, gave him a warpstone sword and a pat on the back and helped him defeat Nagash once and for all, except not really, only kind of, but you know, don't worry about that. Uh, the great necromancer was slain and al now ruler of a dead realm, faded from history. So uh, were we... Were we talking about that on an episode, Hal? Where we're like, the conga line of Skaven they must have had to get the fell blade yeah. over to well, Akadisar? Yeah, like, half the baton, isn't it? Well, yeah, because... Like, okay, sorry? Just because it's so, like, pure warpstone and evil and horrible that even the Skaven couldn't hold it for long. 
and they usually have no trouble holding that stuff. So, <laughs> the idea, like, like a like a like a stadium level of like Skaven left in the beginning, and then only like one of them made it. <laughs> well, the thing was, I was thinking of the Olympic torch, where they like they <laughs> relay it across the world for some stupid reason, like, oh, we gotta move the flame, all... and then just it's just with Skaven, it's <laughs> and the bit of wind just, like blows it out, like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Norfolk or something. <laughs> they dropped it on the way, so now they gotta go make a new one. Whenever oh, no. I think about that final dagger at the end, it's just like drunken pin the tail on the donkey. You can almost see him like putting it in his hand, <laughs> and they're like trying to guide the guy over there because he's falling over because he's completely emaciated and yeah, can't even barely hold the thing. Been tortured. You're like, go, go get him, bud. You got this one. Uh, they even, I think, they had some of the gray seers holding off the worst of Nagash's magics because if otherwise, Nagash probably would have just zapped El Kadizar and been like, all right, well, problem done. Uh, which, hey. The only, in any way, generous thing the Skaven have ever done. And uh, with yeah, that... I can finally ask something. Cody, oh. was al Kadizar a vampire? We, we couldn't remember this part. Did, like, um... Who, what's her name? Uh, who's the uh, first vampire? The lady? Neferata. Neferata. Did, did she turn al Kadizar into a vampire or not? I, I can't No, they're two different cities. Yeah. So I don't think... Yeah, so he's just, like, the ruler of Kimri. He's just, like, a regular guy. Damn, I thought he was like captured yeah. by her or something. Very- uh, he may have been at some point, but Vlad, Vlad, uh, Vlad von Karstein That's started cool. off yeah. as a Lemian vampire. Hashtag oh, Vladdy Daddy. And then, uh, and then he Daddy. went around the world and ended up in not Romania. And totally not Romania. Definitely not. Don't, don't, just, just don't put the, uh, the Tran in front of Sylvania. And this can be a completely original creation. Don't put the tran in front of God. Well, it's just Sylvania. <laughs> but so then something funny happened, because his ritual wasn't successful, but he's such a powerful necromancer and just very good at that, that people just kind of started standing back up. Uh, so <laughs> they died, and then they got back up. Uh, and it was weird, because at least according to what I read... Some of them who had just died stood back up, like they, you know, they still had all, all the meaty bits attached, and were like, "What?" Uh, but some people had been dead for quite some time, and they rose as nothing but skeletons. And as the time went on, you know, the body's dead. The you know, none of the systems are functioning. They're animated, but you know, the heart, blood's not pumping. So even the people who still had flesh over time had it stripped from their bones. And degraded into not but skeletons as well. And the most interesting of those fellas were those uh, those kings buried in the pyramid, because they were still affected by it. But the wardings on the pyramids uh, kept the tomb kings from just succumbing uh, to either Nagash's will or just mindless undead. Uh, their bodies shriveled mummies, uh, their minds wholly intact. They were pretty horrified as they saw that. Everything they and their ancestors had worked so hard to build was just sand-covered ruins now. Uh, and uh, it gets worse because now you have just dozens of generations of kings all going, hey, I'm in charge. And then the guy below and after says, no, I'm in charge. Uh, so I guess... Necrons. Yeah. Uh, Necrons. <laughs> well, Tomb Kings came first. Necrons are Tomb Kings. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, in this analogy, uh, 
Cody would be angry at Andy because Andy threw the throne away to make room for more pyramids. Uh, Andy uh. would be angry at Hal because Hal signed a peace deal with, uh, I don't know, your greatest enemy uh, for the sole purpose of just... I don't, I don't know. He just was done fighting, but that's a just horrible dishonor. <laughs> yeah, just to see what would happen in the afterlife when you finally met. Hal's angry at me for having the gall to... Uh, Shape switch not watch sort out yeah. online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that, I guess. And, First uh, season's pretty good. True. Then it goes downhill like significantly. I couldn't. I couldn't vouch either way. I've just heard it's awful, and I'm <laughs> repeating the opinion. Honestly, you you're, you're probably better off not watching it. Like you've got time to not wait on that. <laughs> I can do anything else. Learn language and not watch sort out online. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And uh, the Reborn Mortuary Cult is uh, now in a new situation uh, because suddenly that trump card of granting people immortality didn't mean anything because they're all immortal now. Uh, So in order to try and restore some semblance of order as not only is every city fighting itself with forever respawning armies because they just stand back up after enough time passes... They, uh, they're now infighting, too, because all of those generations of kings all want to be king. So, Grand Hierophant Katep, which, God, is that an awesome title, did something drastic. He woke up Cetra, who's just pyramid is just... Because he's Cetra, he's so cool. He had the bestest of the pyramids. The wardings were the best of them all, the greatest of them all. And even Nagash's magic couldn't get through that. Uh, his first order of business was to sit down and listen to Katep. Uh, explain how tremendously awful everything had gone down. After that, he uh, he kicked Katep out until he could find the secret to getting him that golden body he really wanted. And then after that, he just started doing what he did the first time. He marched around Nehekara and just started beating Tomb Kings to a pulp uh, until they came to a sort of agreement. Uh, you can still fight each other, especially because... Your soldiers just come back if you wait long enough. They just reanimate. But if I call you for something, you better answer. And uh, those who refused this deal were turned into self-replenishing catapult ammunition. Because uh, the skull would you know, reanimate. So they would light it on fire and then launch it at someone. <laughs> they made them into the enemies from Doom. The big flying, oh, fiery yeah. skulls. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that's what you get for disobeying Cetra. and uh we uh get to the tomb kings as they are now and something at least again i i've noticed is that while much you know in the modern setting they're the tomb kings most of like the new dynamic things of the lore were happening when they were still you know people uh once they become mummies they kind of settle into a pattern of how they generally behave and what they do Mm -hmm. uh so there's uh, a couple different things that uh, started happening. So, lich priests were commanded to watch over tombs and assist any kings who either had not awoken for whatever reason or returned to slumber for one reason or another. Uh, Cetra demanded that, once again, Nehekara not only be restored to its former glory, but expanded beyond ever before, because now he finally has what he wanted most, forever to conquer everything. And uh, at one point, Cody mentioned the story earlier, some Norskins decided to raid Nehekara, uh, Kemri, and he got a mutual kill with the Norskin, uh, the Chaos Lord, 
Uh, of course, Cetra's, you know, he just had to respawn, so it didn't mean as quite as much on that end. But out of the entire army, 12 Norskins survived and took off with all of the loot they could carry. So Cetra got back up eventually and uh, saw that his crown was gone. That was the most valuable thing, of course. And so he calmly and collectedly sailed all the way from Egypt to uh, Sweden and burned it to the ground until he got all of his stuff back. Is that the crown that, like, um, prevents spells from, like, they redirect spells or something? Like, it basically makes him pretty OP. I... I believe when he's, he's, saying he's got an Uno... Are you saying he's got an Uno reverse card crown or something? Like, I, no, he... you. I don't know that the, one of his abilities is, like, is it in Total War as well? Like, his crown helps with, like, um... Might... Spell resistance and stuff. I think yeah, so. Spell yeah, resistance, yeah. Like it I know that it was just. I think it was a, spe a specific item back in the army book as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they. Uh... And most importantly, it's Cetras. So even if it was just a rock, it would have been like, no, I'm taking that back. Uh, so one of the very few invasions of the Chaos Wastes to begin with, uh, a resounding success, <laughs> and it was motivated solely by him wanting his stuff back. He they just left after the fact. They didn't stay to cleanse it of chaos or anything like right got my stuff i'm out yeah it wasn't a war it was a repo it was just like i'm, I'm doing a repossession of my things come here yeah, get he, that back he burned half of norsk to the ground and then just left did they still it's like oh so go ahead cody sorry i love that it's basically the plot of pirates of the caribbean that someone stole all his gold <laughs> coins and he refuses like these dead guys refuse to do anything else until they've killed everyone that had those coins and they have them all back in their possession I was going to say they stole his like uh, plug-in USB rock. You know, if you get pet rocks, <laughs> that's the most valuable possession. They stole Cetra Junior, the replacement for Cetra Junior. Oh, I have no. Ch I, I, I sacrificed all my kids, but the pet rock. Where's the pet rock? Yep. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of the general thing the Tube Kings were up to. Uh, I know we also mentioned this earlier. Uh, as much as we try to ignore it, I'm very afraid, uh, Cody. Covering the lore, and the lore has an end, unfortunately. It doesn't it, though. Does it? I mean, or can we <laughs> say that the lore really ended after the... Oh. Oh. Battle oh, of my God, oh, my God. What's the thing Storm where... Storm of Chaos? Storm of Chaos. Thank you. Yes, that was it. Can I, can, I, can I re say that sentence and pretend that we're leaving this in? Oh, I mean, does it though? Or we can can we just pretend that Warhammer just stopped after Storm of Chaos? Uh I would love to do that. Uh but I uh, I do have Cetra's awesome ending. Yep. I do, however, have a. <laughs> elf simp that I am, I do have a bit of dwarf in me, and that there's nothing I love more than complaining about how things were done before. Or complaining complaining in general. Uh, but <laughs> bef before I subject everyone to that, a little bit just you know, about how they act now that they're undead uh, and have all of eternity to do whatever they want. Uh, unless they're called upon by Cetra, they pretty much just answer to their own whims and needs. And so there's not really one consistent way that they act, uh, which is even a mechanic in Total Warhammer, because I don't think, even against Chaos, they don't have any, like, penalties, do they? I don't think they do? I'd be I'm immune not... to psychology if they had it, I don't know. 
Oh, I mean, like, the diplomatic relations. Like, I know, like, pretty much every faction, like, the Tomb Kings are completely neutral to them. Like, you could be Chaos, Dwarfs, Orcs, don't care. Uh, yeah. all, they, all they care about They're is They're beneath power. them. Oh, yeah. Every, everyone is equally beneath them. Uh, they don't care. So, there's, you know, but that being said, there are a few generalizations you can make. Uh, one for every race is that if you take their stuff, they're going to slaughter their way towards you until they get it back. And since they respawn and they have a lot of big, you know, constructs, Hyra Titans, Sphinxes, and again, unending legions of skeleton warriors, they're probably going to get their stuff back. Uh, as for, you know, humans, uh, humans mostly fear and dislike them on the rare occasions they do have contact because, especially in the Empire, undeath is pretty much the worst thing you can do short of openly worshipping chaos in the middle of the town square. Uh, but they have been known to work together, such as where else but Gotrick and Felix, uh, when Felix was uh, forcibly recruited to help out, uh, I believe it was Kalida. Uh, she had kind of an inner... Oh, that also brings me that point. Shout out to her uh, inner... The intermediary uh, Kalida was using who was thirsty for some Felix. Uh, yeah, the, what, the, I think Gotrick even said that if she wasn't 3,000 years dead by this point, uh, he would marry the two and Felix did not have a say in the matter. <laughs> uh, which I, I don't even know why that's part of the story, but it is, and it's pretty funny that uh, out of Felix is just so rizzed out that even mummies can't help but fall for him. Hashtag Marrow Mummy. There we go. There it is. There's the hashtag. And uh, yeah, there was even there was another Tomb King who was just so belligerent and full of himself. Another common trend, if you haven't noticed by this point, that he came about as close to being friends with Gotrick as you can be if your name isn't Felix or Snorri. Uh, so hey, Tomb Kings, they can make friends. Uh, high Elves, they don't really care much. You know, they both go, "Oh, you're both beneath me," because. They're elves and the Tomb Kings, so they're both having an arrogant off. Uh, though sometimes they do go to Nehekra to build and repair waystones. Setra even once was so kind as to allow him or allow the High Elves to help him repel a demon army. And just to show that he's such, you know, really just a great ruler, he generously allowed them to live and leave his land without all being executed for trespassing on his property. So, you know, he, he can be a nice guy when he needs to be. Different interpretation of nice, then, huh? Uh, <laughs> etc. He's allowed to. He's allowed to get away with everything because he's Setra the imperishable. He's like the uh, the uh, Clint Eastwood character in the that film in Gran Torino. Yeah, he's like the yeah, get off yeah, my lawn. Pretty much. So, I'll be a cool voice for him as well. Uh, as for the dwarfs, usually negative, but that's uh, not strictly. Due to uh, it, it's mostly because the dwarfs uh, do not treat human ancestors and their tombs with the same reverence as they treat their own ancestors' tombs and stuff. So a dwarf will see, you know, loot a tomb king's like burial mound, and then the guy wakes up and then goes to hunt down the dwarf, and then that conflict gets uh, written into the book of grudges. So now there's fighting, more fighting between the tomb kings and dwarfs, which leads to more stolen goods. Which leads to more grudges, uh, just on and on and on and on. Uh, although of note, they don't, strictly speaking, hate them for being undead like they do vampires. Uh, because the Tomb Kings usually don't seek... Oh, Alright, well, compared to vampires, they're not seeking out conflict. 
and uh, they uh, acknowledge that you know the Tomb Kings, not their fault. Uh, they didn't ask to be undead; it just kind of happened. Uh, Dark Elves, you know, they usually negative, but just because of the sheer distance between uh, Nagaroth and Nehekara, don't really fight too often. Uh, Greenskins hunt them for sport. Demons, they hunt them for sport. Chaos Worshippers hunt them for sport and to retrieve their stuff. Tube Kings at this point, they're really just enjoying immortality by keeping themselves busy because their bodies don't work anymore and there's only so many th uh, things to do, so they just try and get out and pretty much enjoy the world. Uh, to be clear, there is one thing they cannot do, uh, oh. which is the thing you are all thinking of right now. Uh, yeah, uh, part, part of having to do these videos is you have to do some really weird research and... Um, <laughs> I made a joke one time, which is, you know, basically Cetra came back because he had the biggest, you know, Long. kick of everybody around. <laughs> and so he had to slap everybody around with it and put them back in their tombs. And I was like, well, hold on. He's mummified, right? And Okay, yeah, no, they actually chop all that off and put it in a jar. So, okay. Well, that joke doesn't really work, does it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cetra's imperishable penis in a yeah. jar. Like, no! No! Yeah. Uh, so, thank you, like, uh... Like, simple pleasures don't really do it for them, which is why demon hunting is a sport, because you gotta think big, because if you don't, you're gonna probably go insane. Uh, not that plenty of them aren't completely insane. Uh, and a little fun fact, uh, another Gotrick and Felix little tidbit of lore, there's a Tomb King that is very heavily implied to just be a dwarf skeleton that somehow, like, I think what it was was they found this dwarf floating down the river and raised him as royalty uh, but either due to lack of knowledge about what a dwarf is or just not wanting to break it to him he thought he was just a short human I th like I think one of the lines is the uh, he was blessed by the gods uh, with mighty strength and his short stature is, is a result of all the power he holds with him <laughs> Literally the meme, mightier center of gravity than yeah. anyone else has and, made him short. And uh, sure enough, he loves he loves building things. He loves making strong fortifications for the cities. It's uh, I think Felix even goes like to say like, isn't he just a? And then he gets cut off by something. This is like literally the meme. Like shout to my short kings. Like this is literally <laughs> the meme. Hey, this guy was a short king. Uh, I'm guessing if he's a skeleton, he doesn't have a beard. He can grow, so that's also a way he can't identify. He can't identify himself as a dwarf. Yeah. Uh, but oh. now, no. Uh, are there any questions before I move on to the 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 the, the, the bad times, <laughs> the end crimes? I assume oh. that dwarf beards were so robust that they just like grafted into the skull that even after <laughs> death you still have a beard. Uh, you know, I don't remember if I. I think he might have had. The, the chin beard thing and I'm pretty sure his was like very big uh, so he I think he did still manage to have a beard even in death uh, something and it was glorious oh, just to point that out of course uh, see so some things you know you, you can take the beard off of the dwarf but you can't take the dwarf off the beard mm. unless you start a war over it uh, well yeah well yeah I get that's a very good point <laughs> unless you want to start fantasy world war one. I've got a weird question about Tomb Kings, by the way. Shoot. Um, so, do they actually like feel what you like? Do they do they feel sensations like pain or hunger or touch or anything? Because I'm assuming they, like 
the magic might dull some of that so they're not like i'm in agony all the time because i'm a dehydrated prune yeah. with bandages you know they uh they do not uh, i think there's even yeah. oh what's up cody sorry oh he's agreeing with you oh. go ahead sorry oh no worries uh yeah there's i think there's even a line in total war where one of them's like if you have positive relations with them they go i forget the pleasures of the flesh uh what what can i do for you uh, so no, they uh, they uh, do not feel. Although, yeah, it's like they have the emotions, you know, because you get an emotional reaction to thing you like, you dislike things like that. But as far as like the tactile ability of like, you know, touching or feeling or whatever else, you know, they're missing a lot of the the neurons necessary. Mm-hmm. It really is like really a reference popular. to the characters of the Pirates of the Caribbean, which is I feel nothing, not the wind <laughs> on my face. <laughs> you best start believing in ghost stories, Carl Franz. You're, You're in, in one. one. <laughs> uh, although they do still have senses of humor, uh, I and I know that because in that Gotrick and Felix book, uh, the way they recruit Felix and Gotrick is uh, ooh, saying that saying that the other way doesn't sound right. <laughs> uh, but the way they recruit them is Felix gets this magical amulet strapped on his arm that after like a week or however long it was, it will eject him with poison. And believe it or not, they I believe they actually fail to complete the mission in time. Like, they're just making it back uh, in time to get get it removed, but they don't make it. And then Felix gets a little prick, and then nothing happens, and I think Kyle herself, Kyle herself is like, Oh no, poison's like dried away centuries ago. I just wanted to <laughs> screw with you. Isn't that the plot from, like, Escape from L.A. or Escape from New York with freaking Kurt Russell? <laughs> oh my god Jesus it's like, yeah, Warhammer's mostly full of like I've copied someone else's homework <laughs> Oh they do it, it, I, I love that it, it seems like they don't do it maliciously They're, they're clearly you know, nerds and dorks They're fans of this stuff And so they litter it with references But as soon as you said that I was like oh man I know that movie <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking of uh, 24 Like the idea of they're going on the mission All you hear is like clink Clink Blink. You're just like you've only got so much time to get the mission done. Yes. Yeah, so, or die hard free. So he, he was he was living like that week of his life in pure terror over the fact that like now he has a deadline beyond like this thing's gonna kill me if I don't kill it. And at the moment he gets back, he's like, Oh no, I was, I was just screwing with you completely, one hundred and ten percent. Uh which God, that's all I love I love that bit. Uh and uh, now it's time to be unhappy. And crimes. Wait, you get the greatest one-liner in history, though. That, you get to say in a minute, though. So that's the thing. There is an upside to Yes, this. that is very true. That's that's the funny thing. The more I like look at the end times, the more I go, like, there's some really cool individual moments. Uh, it's just, it's balanced out by the sheer amount of horrible moments and just overall end times. Uh, but to start it, the end time starts off with the book about Nagash. And Cetra gets wind that Nagash is uh, coming back, and this time coming back properly. Uh, because actually, he's come back a few times before, and every time they do, the Tomb Kings are on, like, DEFCON 1. But this time he came back hard. Yeah, this oh, this oh he came back harder than ever before. Uh, also, just so I can keep putting it off, uh, there's two reasons as to why... He actually kept coming back weaker every time before this one. Uh, the I think the most modern reason is that the blade Al-Qadizar stabbed him with was so corrupted that it drained his soul even in death. 
Uh, in old lore, all of the people he killed used to just gather around and beat the shit out of his soul. <laughs> Every time he died and went to the afterlife, they just they just took turns kicking him. Like he's like a little kid in the lunch hall. With the three people just kicking him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're just stomping him while he's down. Although, you know... Sorry. I understand his problem. I mean, there's only so many times you can come back before you need to, you know, lie down, maybe have a snack, and then come back and try again. You know, yeah, man. But, uh, <laughs> you know, these oh, these thousands God. of years old. It takes a lot to get up at that point. Uh, this is like a really before we get it's like a sidetrack. Didn't they used to like you know said like the mist of death? I'm thinking earlier. It's it been in, stuck in my head like because Cetra's got got a really good uh, tagline. I don't want to say it yet. Obviously, he's not very good at like saying being a host. I'll promise I'll reference this later. But I imagine like the other jar which has his junk in it. I just imagine someone making like a like a meal, like a tea or something, and they accidentally go into the wrong jar. Oh god! Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, like, What's in this mystery jar? Oh, it seems alright. I'll try that. And it's like, oh, can you go get my uh, you know, my junk jar? And it's like, what? What do you mean the junk jar? Like, who went into the junk jar? <laughs> Oh, so I've been in my head for ages. I also... also like, go ahead, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, finish up. Sorry. Oh, like, don't they do all mummies? Like, they just... Um, when they cut the uh, junk off, they essentially give, like, a fake gold one. So I imagine Cetra probably has a fake gold one. So. Yeah. So they would... Uh, and they would shape it specifically so it was always pointing upwards in the large golden facsimile. Always ready to go. Praise you know, the sun and, un, and un, <laughs> undoubtedly none none could surpass Cetra's girth. Oh God! <laughs> I also like to imagine that there he at least him specifically probably all of them they're so arrogant they wanted everything custom designed. So I would love to meet the guy whose job title is Tomb King Dick Jar Designer. Well, I mean, he would have it ribbed for Cetra's pleasure. <laughs> oh, oh no! No. Oh. We're ending it now. Cut it down. (laughs) Oh, and then things get bad. Uh, So, Nagash comes back. Tomb Kings are just building up defenses. Cetra has completely switched from conquer everything to, all right, Nagash is back. We need to to prepare. Uh, Nagash surrounds all of uh, uh, the land in magical darkness, which doesn't really do anything because they're all undead and they're the spooky things in the night's. And also, they're undead. The vision is a lot less important for the brainless slaves than it would be for most people. So he basically just turns the lights off to show about. Uh, Ark in the Black, who up until this point had been just kind of doing his own thing, uh, sometimes trying to resurrect Nagash, sometimes just being a mercenary for whoever was dumb enough to hire him, he was leading the charge after having brought Nagash back into Camry. And he does, uh, he does get defeated, uh, but it was all a prank, because somehow, and I don't want to think about how, Nagash hid inside of uh, Arkin's body. Uh, and so Arkin got cut in half, and then out popped Nagash in his, like, 500 feet tall, uh, 1,000 feet tall hat, skeleton glory. And uh, Cetra sees this happens and simply just does not care. Uh, Nagash has eaten the god of the dead, uh, so he's basically a god now, and I believe by this point he also absorbed the power of the dwarf goddess Valaya, so he's basically like three gods for the price of one in Nagash, 
Cetra does not care. Uh, could not care at all about this. Uh, so he drifts around Nagash in his chariot for... Uh, I don't believe... I don't think they gave a specific time. Longer than anyone fighting a god has any right to survive. And Nagash just couldn't get him. It's just like the... He survived the exact amount of time it takes to watch Tokyo drift. Just because <laughs> yeah. he didn't whack it up. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he, he was just Tokyo drifting around Nagash. Just fighting him. And Nagash was getting more and more annoyed. Eventually, I this, I'm, so I've got that song in my head now. Deja vu. I've just been. Oh, in this oh, oh, I should have gone on that. <laughs> but it's song. like it's pitch black midnight, and it's just in the middle of a <laughs> desert, and no one can see what's going on. Yeah. Well, in the artwork, Nagash is glowing like spooky green ghost fire, and Cetra is glowing gold like the sun. Uh, so actually, yeah, if you want to imagine the two light sources in the desert were Nagash, who evil light. And Cetra's glorious golden aura, like a Super Saiyan. Oh, hey, there's another Vegeta Ooh. reference. Uh, they're also the rulers of a, of a dead race. Oh, funny, look at that. Oh. Uh, and they won't stop going on about it either. Uh, but Cetra's chariot gets broken, and they enter a battle of wills. I don't exactly know what that looks like. But despite Nagash being a god now, Cetra is still so arrogant that Nagash, like, can't out-willpower him, because he is just that full of himself. Talking about backing it up, Cetra backs it up and then some. <laughs> His arrogance is a superpower. Uh, Amazing. It Pretty much. And, uh... coin. At a certain point, Nagash just... He was just so fed up with this that he just swarmed Cetra with ghosts until they he could just grab him and pick him up. And, uh, now, Cetra is being held by the worst enemy he's ever faced, who now has him dead the rights. And Nagash, uh, he says, you know, he still admires Cetra. You know, because, like, two sides of the same coin, he still acknowledges Cetra as being Cetra. Uh, so he gives him an offer. He's like, hey, you can still be king. Uh, I know I'm above you, but you can still be king. You just have to serve me now. And what you don't want to do is tell Cetra to serve you. Does uh, anyone want to take the line? I think Cody probably knows it better than asking might have heard it. Would you, uh, would you? Would you? Would it, you? It is the most well known. You've been telling such a good story, though, man. Go for it. I mean, you've earned this. You've it, been talking for an hour. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I'd be honored to say this line. And uh, after being offered pretty much the position of second in command at the then most powerful person in the universe, looks him dead in the eye and says, "Cetra does not serve. Cetra rules." And I, I, I don't have I don't have a joke for that. It's just the best. It's, it's pretty, pretty up there. Like single tear of manliness trickles down right. the side of your cheek at that. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I just felt my pectoral muscles double in size just from saying the line alone. Like I've been to the gym. <laughs> yeah, I've been to the gym. Don't don't go to the gym. Just repeat that into a mirror over and over again, and you'll just gain muscle mass. Uh, but unfortunately for our hero, he's still a. Uh, He's still dead to rights for Cetra, or yeah, in Nagash's eyes. So Nagash blows up his body, leaves his desert body or his head in the desert, uh, blows up Kemri, and forces pretty much every undead on the planet under his banner. And Cetra, for the first time in his life, knows despair, but only for a brief moment because you know I think he's I think it's fair to say he's earned his moment of weakness, and it will only be one moment. 
And sure enough, in the book, it's they're called Four Mysterious Voices. Oh, gee, four magical, mystical voices. Who could be speaking to him? Mm-hmm. They, uh, they repair his body to, to mummy status, not to human status. He's still a mummy. But they put him back together and say, hey, if you serve us, we'll give you everything you want. Uh, and when I say everything, I don't just mean, like, you know, Kemri will come back. I mean everything. They'll give him that fantastic golden body, give him sensation, eternal life, all that stuff. And for once, I at least personally, I think that Chaos Gods, that's who it is, spoiler, if you couldn't tell. Uh, I, at least in my head, I like to imagine they, for once in their existence, meant this, that no strings attached. Just serve us, you'll get everything you want. Uh, I like they, how you were like, they're going to give him a golden body. He's like, we'll make you powerful, but we'll also make you fabulous. And he's like, yes, I want a shiny body. I mean, hey, that was one of his biggest asks before he died the first time. Because uh, the Chaos Guards are running scared at this point, right? I mean, the whole thing is Nagash is coming for him. Isn't that what's happening? Yeah, like Nagash coming back is, is was one of those things in uh, fantasy. It's like the only thing that could possibly equal that was if like Korn himself just showed up on the material plane. And now Nagash is back. Uh, so they're they're grabbing for pretty much any option they can get to try and avoid whatever Nagash is going to do to them because he wants to become the Chaos God. Like his plans in the end game is to overthrow the Chaos Gods and become just the ruler of an undead world. Uh, so yeah, they they saw Setcher. They're like, All right, listen, whatever you want, you want that, we'll give it to you. Just help us. Uh, except they worded it as serve, and that's yeah, that's that's a no no. Uh, so. He doesn't respond to their offer. What he does is he walks all the way to Middenheim. Uh, so I guess just imagine walking from, uh, you know, Egypt. Paris to Baghdad to Paris. Uh, yeah, for, like start in Cairo and end up in Berlin. Only double the distance because I think the Warhammer world is twice as big as our world. He just walks. Uh, he shows up to Archeon uh, pretending to be... Uh, going to assist him, and Archeon tells him to kill Kolek's Sun Eater, the original dragon ogre, who is as big as a mountain. Uh, Cetra does this after like a three-day Dragon Ball Z fight that levels the forest, and man, again, some cool moments in the end times, pretty much all of them about Cetra. <laughs> and uh, he brings Kolek's head back, and then when the incarnates of magic show up to Middenheim to stop you know, this is the last gasp to stop the end of the world. Cetra reveals what he's really there to do. He goes to swing at Nagash, realizes, uh, reveals it's a feint, cuts off a dragon ogre's head in one blow, which, again, this isn't the mountain-sized one. These things are still, like, the size of houses. Uh, just one one blow, just head clean off. Uh, then tells Nagash that uh, he may be the worst, but he's still a prince of Nehekara and that he will temporarily forgive Nagash until Cetra has personally killed all four of the Chaos Gods. Uh, oh, Lord. And despite the uh, Incarnates failing because Manfred von Karsteined all over Balthasar Gelt, uh, the last we see of Cetra is he was surrounded by a horde of demons that just could not kill him. Like, you know, the cover art for Doom? It was basically that, uh, and as just the world fell into chaos, that was what Setcher was doing. He was just constantly killing demons. While shouting, I'm, stuck, I'm not stuck in here with you. You're, <laughs> You're stuck, stuck in, in here, here with me. With me. Uh, the, uh, after that, Neferata is 
uh, her and Kalida with the world ending briefly make up to defend the last of the living in Sylvania as chaos encroaches on the world. And then the world is fully consumed by chaos. The, uh, the four gods themselves manifest. Sigmar and Archeon fall into a black hole and the settings kill. Thanks for coming. Oh, everyone. the end. Is crime. it or does it come back again in the Age of Sigmar? It, chapter two. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, there is at present no uh, no sign of the Tomb Kings themselves returning. Although I do I do want to give some hope uh, for everyone. Uh, while I said there's been some small teases, there's no full reveal or anything, but a couple teases. Uh, Setcher mm. was briefly thought to return as Setrus. Uh, leading the storm host of the Stormcast Eternals, known as the Imperishables. God, who could that guy be, I wonder? Uh, but GW told the writer that Cetra wasn't allowed to be brought back in that manner, and Manfred even tells Cetrus that if he was really Cetra, he would have broken his foot off in his ass already. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that being said, uh, the key thing I take away from that is brought back in that manner. Uh, I, that that gives me some hope. Uh, other stuff, you know, there's some small paragraphs about how there's undead kingdoms in the background that fight with skeleton legions and chariots. There's every now and then there'll be something that if you look into it, it's very clearly a Tomb King construct uh, featured in a novel, even though it's obviously not the Tomb Kings as of yet. Uh, of course, Arkin the Black and Neferata showed back up as Nagash is still in Age of Sigmar. And at least, you know, one thing I can... Uh, at least I'll stake my claim on this. You know, I want to call it for the future. I'm putting my putting my word on the. I'm putting my word on the line. Sticking my neck out on this one. Gotrick, uh survived in the realm of chaos, and if anyone in the Warhammer world could match his stubbornness, it'd be Cetra. Uh, you know, we all know that uh, belief in Warhammer is a tangible thing, and if Cetra believes in anything, it is himself. <laughs> like that stubbornness versus ag arrogance the fight of the century <laughs> <laughs> and uh if nothing else rejoice because the old world will eventually show up again whenever the horus heresy finally actually ends 50 more books i'm sure uh and thus Never. thus far none other than chester himself has been in charge of the games workshop created memes to market it uh which is <laughs> really funny and uh, and that's the that's the Tomb Kings. Anyone anyone got any questions? I only have just ultimate praise for Cetra doesn't serve Cetra rules. Yeah, he, God, he's so badass. He uh he steals the show whenever he's involved, and it's very easy to see why he's he's awesome. Thing is, when you said that quote like that, Hal, I just imagined him in the when he's fighting and he has like a little manservant, and all he actually says is Cetra rules. And then this is a guy who goes, Cetra rules, just in the background. There's two separate lines. <laughs> the hype man. Uh, do you have, well, I want to finish on one question, which I wanted to ask uh, Cody, which was, yeah. uh, which is your favorite chaos god, just as a random like sidebar part? I always like to ask this one because we, we, we get to know. <laughs> How degenerate some people are, or how we all are. I enjoy Zinch the most. I think that there's a. I, I like sort of the the look, the feel of it. I mean, I like the way it manifests in 40k with the the thousand suns, and I like uh, Echelbrod Hellbrass 
that's a lore uh, that's a lord i'm really excited to see hopefully one day as a dlc in the total war yeah. games you guys know him I've only heard, is he the one who's on the original trailer? He's like the the light wizard, or is it? Uh, as far as I know, he, he's he's one that's, that hasn't been come out here. He's a, it's like a human champion, mm. but basically he gets lore of life and uh, some of the lore of Zinch. And wherever he steps, flowers grow in his wake. So it's sort of like chaotic growth of rebirth and things like that. I think that's just a really cool concept. Oh, uh, yeah. But generally, I enjoy Zinch the most of all the. Uh, you know the Zinchian dickery of always being five steps ahead of somebody, and you know everything's just as planned. <laughs> I, uh, you're a man of my own uh, heart there, because I'm a I'm a Zinch boy. Um, Andy, do you have any closing thoughts or comments? Um, Tomb Kings sound like a, an interesting bunch of lads. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't think I'd ever want to go out drinks with them. Uh, no, <laughs> the, the, the pranks they would pull would be a bit <laughs> grim. And um, I have a lot. Uh, I have a lot of derision for the way that they uh, they treat their peoples. They don't sound like benevolent leaders. Uh, but yeah, they, they're pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Nice flavor. Such, um, such, such a wonderful leader until you piss him off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that all, Vlad? <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see them again when Old War comes back. They've already started to tease some of the the bits of the heraldry and stuff. I think on the Warhammer community site. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're they're planning to bring uh, Tomb Kings back in a big way, at least in the Warhammer Fantasy reboot. So, I think they're going to be a popular faction. I mean, people love them for a reason. Very excited. Uh, very excited. Even though I suck at playing them in Total War, Just <laughs> abysmally at it. Well, with that being said, though. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us there, Cody. Obviously, for people who are uh, watching and listening, um, you probably already know his channel because his channel is lit. Uh, he makes r- way better content than I do. So uh, <laughs> do check out his stuff. If, you, if you're if you a 40k fan, you're like, oh, what the hell is fantasy? This guy's got it in, um, in a way which obviously pairs with the Total War games, which it, it makes it fun. It makes it... Uh, I actually had to show some of my friends just to get them into Warhammer Fantasy. Like this is like kind of the way. Yeah, you know, he's a great channel. Go check him out. And if for I, next... I appreciate it. One, oh, of, good. one of the one of the inspirations for me to start making videos. So uh, for all of you hey. who see me upload and go, God, that's this asshole still at it. We have Mr. Bonds to thank for that. I've ever oh, told no. you about my wife. Like, I showed her, her. I showed her your channel when you first started like making videos. She's like, "Why well, do I watch this? It just sounds just like you." I was like, "Oh, oh. yeah, yeah." Oh, <laughs> wow! I didn't, know, I didn't know about that. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Yeah, I so I do noobs guides. That's the whole thing is you know trying to find a fun way to entertain people, and that's why I like this concept you guys have come up with. So thank you guys so much for having me on. Of course. Well, how did you uh, just leaving off? How did you fall in love with like we all have like a moment where we kind of like oh Warhammer's like my thing do you remember mm-hmm. like how you fell in love with warhammer yeah i it's a two and a half minute story you can time me uh i was living i've always been very poor i grew up poor and i was very impoverished and living in ohio and i didn't have a job and uh the local comic book shop played warhammer and i was like oh man that seems like a really cool kind of like tolkien-esque fantasy thing i'd really like to get into because i already played the total war games and I couldn't afford to. So I went in and they actually had a fire in their building. And so all of their metal miniatures were partially melted. So you could Jeez. get like partially melted miniatures and like reshape them and like put them back together. So I bought several of those. So I actually have some of the original Kislev stuff 
Oh um, so Kislev mounted guys that I have on my wall because I bought them on discount. It was really cool. I was like, man, this is so awesome. And then uh, the Total War Games announced that they were going to make a video game of it. And I was like, this is, I mean, I couldn't afford to play the tabletop because the armies are frankly a bit pricey. And so I was just excited to be able to get in and do something with it and really play around with this world. And the more I kept poking at it, the more I realized there's just such a depth of knowledge attached to it. You know, people are so clearly passionate about it. I just like, I want to know more, you know. And for me, the the real turning point was I, I couldn't figure out how to cover this stuff like for the games. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, you can. It's funny because you go back, you'll see me like reporting on the news of it because I don't know what to say. It was just boring as I'll get out. You know, me trying to do it. I was like, all right, well, let's make fun of it. Let's let's have a joke. You know, everybody likes a good joke. You know, present it with a laugh, and people will get a kick. And since then, that's what's really made me appreciate it. Is trying to. You know, you can tell the love and the craft of the writers of the original stuff in Games Workshop put in. I mean, mm. you, you know, they're having a laugh at a lot of points. They were having, you know, a little tongue in cheek in a lot of places, and I, I really appreciate that. So, yeah. Oh, that's a really good, like nice story. I think ours, mine's a little bit more basic, but I won't, I won't bore anyone <laughs> with ours because obviously I'm, no, I'm no uh, special guest. I'm just an ordinary, bland one. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it was a real pleasure to have you on. Uh, man, I hope everyone who's listening knows the hell out of Tomb Kings now. I'm pretty sure everyone can walk <laughs> away with that expert level of uh, knowledge. Um, for our next episode, we are tack- we are returning. Fortunately, we're leaving fantasy behind. Yeah, the, the old world, the true, the true uh, original. And we're going back to uh, uh, Horus Heresy slash 30k. We'll be tackling the Great Crusades, just some of the main overarching like events particularly around Horus and things like that and uh if you did watch and you enjoyed and obviously if you liked our guest let us know and uh <laughs> like and subscribe to everyone here and with that being said thank you again so much for watching and we'll catch you all on the next episode take care Peace. everyone bye nice